Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 314. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? And returning from... I think you technically left to go on vacation when you, when you first left, but it's been yep. like a month now. Connor's returned. Yep, it's, it's been a while. Uh, work schedule. I'm coming from the nether realm. Yeah, no? it's, well, it's, that, it's, it's, it's that died to death very quickly. I, I, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna follow up something. No, you, you sounded like you had more to say. I, but, I uh, didn't. Yes, for people watching the video version, Connor is just a white sheet with a ginger border right now. It, uh, which you might ask, how is that different? But this, in this case, it's uh, the sun is baking him alive. Yes, it should cool down soon. <laughs> Hopefully, maybe. I mean. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. I'm not that optimistic about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> this is a DC Comics podcast. We get together. We talk about comics that we've read every week from DC. Uh, coming up on this week's show, we have Dark Crisis, World Without a Justice League, Superman issue one, Superman Son of Kal El issue thirteen, Wonder Woman seven eight nine, Batgirls issue eight, Batman Urban Legends issue seventeen. Well, let's assume Matt read at least part of that. No. Oh, you didn't. Oh, okay. Not this week. Not All this right. week. Alright, well, that's gone. Uh, happy days. The uh, Omi Season 2, Issue 5, Rogues, Issue 3, and I believe Connor has read at least one Patreon book, possibly two. Two. So, there you go. So, two Patreon I owe books. both of June still. There you go. So, uh, <laughs> I know. It's July. One is Batman Fortress, Issue 2, because David was getting inventive. It is. The other is Noctera, Issue, uh, I want to say nine. Here's a question. I assume you didn't, but just in case. Did you go back and read issue one of Fortress for context? No. <laughs> good, good on you. That's funny. That's funny. Well, I read issue one, so I could, maybe I could fill in some gaps if I remember yeah. anything. I, I, I don't have any questions. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if you disliked as much as I disliked issue one. Then going from that comment, we'll find out later. We will, we'll will indeed. Uh, so yes, that is what's coming up on this week's show now. I was hoping we'd have solicits this week, but uh, this, the way it's worked out is we won't get up until next week now, so uh, fair enough. That's okay. I guess we'll just survive. I, I, I bet we got slammed with loads of books next week as well, don't we? Probably. It's probably just one of those weeks. It's, it's, the, it's the epic week. So, uh, yeah, we'll look at the list of books coming ahead at the end of the show like we always do. But don't worry, guys. There's always time for a comicsology top 10. So I've not missed this. So we start the show, Is it baby. X-Men? Is it Batman? <laughs> uh, technically as X-Men is X-Men Hellfire Gala issue 1 is the number one book right now in Comicsology. they're doing uh, another one of those I th- is that one shot was it Hellfire Gala was an event they did ah. last year it was like a whole thing where people like voted on like various designs and stuff like that I'm sure okay fair enough I guess that's what it is it's an $8 book so yeah so it's just a big one shot that they're doing as a special uh, number 2 is Immortal X-Men issue 4 uh, number three is Axe, Eve of Judgment, issue one, which is a Kieran Gillen book, so you should that's, know what it is. That's the new event, I think. Or, I think that's the lead into the event, because the event's Judgment, I think. Uh-huh, okay. Axe is... I don't know what it stands for. It's, I'm sure it stood for something. Yeah, AXE. It's an acronym. Uh, I assume it's X-Men related, hence the X, but I mean, I, I'm just making a... I don't remember. See, the thing is, I'm not up to that point yet on uh, Marvel Unlimited because I'm three <laughs> months behind. So, 
it seems like they're doing something with the uh, Eternals with them. Yes. So it's Avengers, right. X-Men, Eternals. That's what AX stands for. Ah, okay. Sounds I mean, like a big mega crossover. Eternals is the book he just did and kind of finished off yeah. before mm. the uh, before he jumped into but the X line. The, the Eternals are upset that the X-Men have conquered death. So that's what the hell that leads That sounds to. very... That actually sounds quite good. Damn it. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I'm trying to make Eternals a thing still, I guess. Uh, Eternals books. Bloody good, I'm, I'm sure it is. I just... Um, I, I don't... They seem redundant, the Eternals. It, it feels but very... I, I get it. They, they play it, at least the first half of the book. It's, it's a murder mystery mm-hmm. as to who killed one of the Eternals and managed to make them stay dead. And I, then... I saw the movie. I know who it was. I, I don't think you do. Uh-huh. Um... And I, I didn't see the movie, but I'm pretty sure you don't. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that, but with Assad Rebic art. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's good. It was called Snap. I know it was. Um, <laughs> spoiling things. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, the way they're pushing their Terrells right now, because they just had a movie, is make, giving yep. me uh, Inhumans vibes when they, didn't have, mm-hmm. when they didn't have X-Men for the movie, so they were pushing Inhumans really hard. Yep. At least there's a good creative team on this. Uh, sure. I mean, yeah, the books may be well, great. I mean, they, but... And humans had a good creative team, too. He had, he had Soul, and I forget it was on art, but mm. it's still, it's just, I don't know. But they tried to it, make it an ongoing, didn't they? And it kind of fizzled, yeah. whereas at least yeah. Eternals, it was like this 12-issue series yeah. with a couple of one-shots, and that was yeah. it. Mm. Well, then they were told, Soul, just go take care of Star Wars, and you don't have to worry about anything else. And so, he's doing a great job and, of it. Yeah, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Number four is the first DC book, which is the Dark Crisis Worlds Without a Justice League Superman issue one, which is a... It just rolls off the tongue, that title. Yeah. Uh, number five is Daredevil issue one. Uh, did they go back to issue one? Which this is our, yeah. Yeah. I almost picked it up, but I'm not caught up, so but, it would have been just redundant. But it's the same writer. Why is it back to issue one? Um, it's because it's a Marvel book. Yeah. <laughs> it's just stupid. Because after the rain... After the rain comes the dawn, so they did that dark, or it wasn't, what was it called? It wasn't dark rain, that was something Devil's else, rain. but yeah, Devil's but, Rain. Uh, okay, I, I get that it was Electra for a while, right? I know that was the thing mm. that was going on, but yeah. it's just weird to me to go back to issue one, when it's still the same, yeah. you know, run, effectively. Well, like I said, this is a Marvel book. Uh, how, many, how many times did Aaron yeah. Thor reset to number one? I mean, yeah. no, I don't but get me wrong. But at least they changed, but they always changed the name. Here it's just Daredevil one again. Yeah, this I mean this happened to Mark Wage one where it changed back yeah. to issue one at a certain point during Didn't it. This but... happened with Lemire's Hawkeye as well, where he had two yep. issue ones within the same year as well. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm not saying it's unprecedented. I'm just you know they hadn't done it in a while, and I, like I was hoping they'd gotten over this nonsense. That's all. Yeah, I get caught up on this book because that's this sounds good. Uh, number six is Marauders issue four, and number seven mm-hmm. is New Mutants issue twenty-seven. So X Men are all over this top ten. There's a lot of X books this week. Uh, the X books are really popular right now. Yeah. Uh, number eight, which is really weird to me actually, because I like it's just not like I I like X Men as a concept, and I, I, there's a lot of X books that I like, but none of the, none of it right now is appealing to me. I think it's the fact that they're such this that they've been shunted back into their own separate little pocket, mm-hmm. and they're all. It's self-contained as its own little universe. So if you follow one X-Book, you basically might as well follow them all. So you end up just like being dedicated to having like your own little mini mm. universe, just like an X-Universe. And sure, there, there are links with the wide universe, obviously the Axe stuff. Mm-hmm. But pretty much you can just read just X-Men, still read like 10 books a month and have like a, a feeling of like a, a wider universe. 
I feel like X-Men's been on and off kind of that for a long, long, long time. It has, but I think this is the first time we've had it since what, early 2010s. Because I, I think there was readers back in like the 80s and 90s who would just read all the X-Books. They wouldn't read the rest of Marvel. They would just oh, read X-Men. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true, but I think this is the first time we've had, had it like this now since probably before Avengers vs. X-Men. Oh, uh, yeah, possibly. Yeah, because yeah, Aaron, Aaron had him for a while with like Wolverine and the X-Men and... And that uh, was that, like that, its that, own like, separate book, but it wasn't like yeah. a whole line that was... No, that's what I'm saying. And then, that, and then they did the Avengers vs. X-Men and then it spun off into the, you know, objectivist Rainwood X-Men. It's yeah, basically... and then the Bendis stuff, right, mm-hmm. which was the all-new. Yep. Yeah, it's ever since they, they oh. brought, uh, what's his face? Hickman. Hickman. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Ever since they brought him in, it's, it's kind of become its own little corner, because they were doing yeah. so many weird things with it. That... The start of the Hickman stuff, although the, the Krakoa era of X-Men basically yeah. is entirely its own universe at this point. Hmm. Uh, anyway, number eight, we're back to DC, thankfully, with Superman, Son of Kal-El, issue 13. But then we're back to Marvel with number nine for Fantastic Four, issue 45. Still done slot on that. And then number 10 is Wolverine, issue 23, with Benjamin Percy and Adam Cooper on that. So this this is a very Marvel talk. And don't get me wrong, last week was DC heavy. Last week it was like yeah. six or seven oh. of the books were DC. This week it's yeah. eight of the books There's a lot of <laughs> for Marvel. This week, though. How many? I only read five books this week too, so this makes sense. So yeah, there wasn't a ton of DC books this yeah. week. Yeah, so there was actually of the eight Marvel books in the top ten, six of them were X Men related. Yeah. So that yeah. that just just a, you, you, know, you, you mentioned Dan Slot there. Did did you guys already laugh about Dan Slot in the last couple of weeks? Did, did you no. do that already? I haven't given he, Dan Slot much thought. No. He, he's going back and he is doing another run on Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. He must. He must hate himself. The, the man who has already written more Spider-Man than anyone else ever is doing more Spider-Man. Well, I mean, well. they've already got Romita Jr. back doing Spider-Man, so you might as well get Dan Slott back too. I just, uh, yeah, it, it's him and uh, Mark Bagley, I think, is doing the art um, on the... Well, I, don't, I don't know if they take... So from Ultimate Spider-Man, it's Mark, Mark yes. Bagley. Okay. Uh, the, the, the artist who has done the most Spider-Man. He's actually done more Spider-Man than, uh, than Dan Slott has. Mm-hmm. That's funny, but notably not six one six Spider Man. So technically, he's in new territory. <laughs> I mean, he's done some six one six Spidey. Aye, but most of his yeah, yeah, yeah. Spider but, um, ten years on Ultimate. It is. I just think I just thought it was funny. Just like that was your big exciting announcement is Dan Slott's doing more Spider Man. That's uh, that's kind of nuts. Uh, looking down for more DC, Urban Legends at fourteen, and then sixteen is Rogue, seventeen is Batgirls. Wonder Woman's all the way down at 22, so that's maybe sliding a it's little bit. Rough. And yeah. I'm surprised to see Urban Legends as relatively high as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Given I mean, it's a you know, pricey book. The rest of the DC books have done name being lower than that doesn't surprise me, but Wonder Woman being yeah. that far. I mean, the, the thing with Urban Legends is that it's got Batman the title, so even at you know, $8, it still does relatively quite well. It does. I just didn't realize it was selling more than some of those others by quite that amount. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's one thing when it's like minis and it's like more niche characters or new characters that haven't quite gotten over with the mass audience yet, but mm-hmm. Wonder Woman's main ongoing book being that low down is a little bit concerning. Makes me wonder if there'll be a new team on it before too long, but, uh, you know, something they can advertise with a big new launch of some kind. I'd maybe not be too mad if they did. Uh, more thoughts on this week's Wonder Woman later. Uh, so... 
Uh, that's your Kelly Sergeant Tab 10, everyone's favorite segment of the week. Hmm. You heard me. Everyone's favorite segment. I heard you. I just disagreed. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, I didn't get any news this week, by the way. It was, uh... Did, did you look for any, or was there just not any? No, I looked, I looked, I looked, I looked through Newsaramas yeah. last week, and there was, I, there was nothing. I saw creators posting stuff about issues and reprints and stuff like that, but nothing... Nothing really. Nothing air shower and you know, it was, it's, yeah, it's not weird. specific. But I know there's all the, the the big shit going on with Only Press. To elaborate, <laughs> well, have you guys not seen? Uh, basically, uh, Only Press is spiraling into bankruptcy, uh, cancelling contracts all over the place. Anyone who had to create her own book with them, it's basically just cancelled and done. Uh, whether that was being published already or not. Uh, they're just falling back to just things that are established IP only. Um, a lot of creators are having trouble getting payments out of them, it seems. Uh, yeah, it, it's not great. Uh, it's just a shame. Uh, yeah. Not really much more to add. Or I don't think. Yeah, uh, it sucks for the creators more than anything. On, on, you know, for the books that were coming out. Like, I don't read. I don't think anything from Money Press specifically. But, you know, I'm sure they had some books that people were fans of. Yeah, um, I don't know if I've ever read a Rory Press book now I'm thinking about it. I think that was the f- first publisher that did um, Souls Change Attractors, because they have a... Hmm. I think that's on my printing of it, but then it's been reprinted since by, I think, whatever Marvel's subset is. Um, yeah. So... And, uh, you know, Once and Future's coming to an end with issue 30. Hmm. Just sad, but thirty issues. That's, that's not bad. Might you be able to read the whole thing when it's yeah, it's nice and ready. I'll be good. I'm I am still waiting on the third trade uh, to pick that up. So yeah, uh, uh, and I'm and I'm waiting to start the third trade of uh, Department of Truth because I finished uh, second trade you, this week. Are you reading those physically or digitally? No, um, physically trades. Okay. Just because yeah. I I'm aware that they are on sale on Comicsology yeah. this week. No, so I did not. But I I have the third trade. I got it on Free Comic Book Day. It was just mm-hmm. finishing the second. That it's Bigfoot story was a lot to take in. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I guess slightly tangentially related stuff this week, not DC specifically, but Miss Marvel wrapped up this week, and I did actually go back and watch the last couple. Did you finish this, Matt? I never started it. You never started it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling Whoa, a bit. Whoa! What's going on? Yeah. He watched the Marvel series, and Matt didn't. I'm just feeling a bit burned out on on Marvel. Right now. Outside oh, finally! Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I like. I just, the TV shows aren't doing it for me like like they were. Hawkeye was a bright point. Moon Knight was fine. And I'm just... Yeah, I never... Uh, I only watched the first episode of Moon Knight. I, yeah. the, the sad part about Miss Marvel is that I think the first episode is easily the best first episode any of those shows had. Uh, it was the only show out of their entire batch that felt like a TV show. Sadly, the middle three episodes were really bad. Because the villains they introduced were terrible. Um, it got good again for the finale, uh, but so so there's a lot of potential for the future. But it, yeah. it was it was heard, a really mixed bag overall. Heard the finale was very emotionally charged, which made me curious. Which yeah. I'll eventually get to watching them. But, it was it was just you know. fun for the most part. I mean, uh, there's there's a big tease for the future that everyone's sort of freaking out about. But um, yeah, uh, and like I'm I'm still there for the movies. I just like you know. Oh, I'm. Done. I've not seen Thor yet. I've still not watched Doctor no. Strange too, despite Love the fact and... that it's readily available. <laughs> yeah, Love and Thunder, I really enjoyed. It's just, it's not like this. Phase Four is just. I'm definitely feeling the, 
post end game kind of where are we going? And I've seen people defend and end, it like end game was three years ago. I just want to put this out there. End game yeah. was three years ago, and we're still just sort of waffling with it's, all these it's movies. It's aimless. That, like, yeah. Even even with with No Way Home, in which which I liked, but people gave way too much credit because it hit those nostalgia buttons. Um, but like it's just it's aimless. And I, I have a friend. We all we all know who this friend is. I'm not gonna name drop them, but defending everything that it's Marvel Gary does. Gary Busey. It's not, it's not, if it was Gary Busey, I would say Gary Busey. <laughs> if we were friends with Gary Busey, everyone yes. would know about it. Yeah, I would never shut up about it. Um, <laughs> but they defend it, and it just it kind of drives me nuts because it does feel aimless in a way that Phase 1 didn't because you kind of felt the Avengers building and each little piece, and so far none of these pieces feel connected, even the TV uh, shows. Yeah, I'm just, like, like it's not even just Wanda the aimless, from WandaVision, though. And Wanda from Doctor Strange feel like two completely different characters. Oh sure, yeah. It's and not even just the aimlessness though for me that's the the problem is I'm just so sick of how toothless these movies feel. And yeah, I haven't seen Thor yet, but you know the the weekend that came out, you know the reviews weren't that great. There was a kind of mixed, and a lot of people were saying it's basically just a comedy more so than Ragnarok was. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's frustrating because, and you know, having read the Iron comics that the you know the villains taken from and like the even just the Jane Thor. Stories one, of the, one of the few things that you don't want to see as a comedy. Yeah, I don't want that as a comedy. Yeah. I, I want to feel yeah. the impact it, that I did in the comic. And so, but, then, so, no, but, there, here's, but, no, but here's the thing, yeah. Matt. I saw people, some people try to defend it online by saying, just switch your brain off because it's just a fun yeah. comedy. And I'm like, two things. First of all, this story should not just be a fun comedy. Secondly, that's insulting Literally. to good comedies because good comedies don't require you to turn your brain off. In fact, they're usually funny because what they're doing is well, smart and witty. <laughs> right, but we we haven't had a smart and witty like good comedy in quite a while. Uh, I'm just uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know when one's been either, but like yeah, I, like is this well, like... And, I, and I feel that void, but no, but like the character is the god butcher, right? Like he, he, it's in the title. Um, I will say they do do gore justice. Like he's not. He's not the brunt of the jokes. However, it it's a Taika movie regardless. Like, you feel his fingerprints all over it, which is good, because I keep seeing criticisms of these Marvel movies as they just feel like pieces of tapestry, part of a greater thing, and the directors aren't being able to leave their mark. Here, I felt like Taika left his mark for good and for bad, because there's a lot of stuff in there that you're just kind of like, okay, this is what we're doing. Um but no, I, I feel as a longtime Thor fan, they did the Jane Thor story justice. So, gore. Honestly, Matt, mark, you're one but, of the few people I know that have said yeah. something positive about this movie. Mm-hmm. So, no, uh, I, uh, I've also, you know, a, a friend James basically said, no, it's it's a Taika movie. In yeah. that, 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 you know, is, is a good thing in that if you want that, but also mm-hmm. it doesn't really fit as a Thor movie. Um, no, so, so that's the problem with it. Whereas Ragnarok still felt like this was Thor and like Taika did, you know, what Taika does, but it was still very restrained. And he still had here. They were kind of like, yeah, kind of do what you want. But here, here's this. And uh, it kinda... it's kind of it's the inverse of Jojo Rabbit, right? Where Jojo Rabbit has these really big emotional things with a bunch of silly stuff peppered in. And this is almost all silly stuff with some emotional stuff peppered in. So, you know, I mean, it's just a weird, weird direction with Thor is that it feels like because Dark World kind of sucked and everyone didn't like it and it did a bit lesser than the other movies at the time. It kind of felt like they said, well, 
try to do serious Thor doesn't work, so we'll just let it become something else. And it became yeah. this comedy with, you know, it, you know, it's, it's almost like their Aquaman, right? Where it's like, stop mm-hmm. pretending to just be Thor in the comics and just let this be funny Chris Hemsworth doing his thing. It's kind of weird, because obviously the first movie, the, the Brown one, I'm, I know it hasn't like, aged as amazingly in that. None of the so movies favorite. really have. Um, but it was this whole, like, okay, we're, you know, Brown bought his, his Shakespearean angle mm-hmm. to it and kind of did that contrast and then that well was terrible so i'm not defending that but then they just went dropped everything that worked about that first Thor movie and just went yeah screw it let's just change direction entirely and yeah i thought like that, that was a mistake i don't know it's still ragnarok still felt right though because they're doing these cosmic and I mean, I, I, I think felt- ragnarok's overrated like i i have I had a decent time with it but i do think it's overrated and honestly, the biggest problem with these Marvel movies right now is that Spider-Man was all right, right? I kind of like some of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I thought I had some good things to say about the character, although some of it was a little bit, you know, nostalgia mm-hmm. button heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, every Phase 4 thing I've seen so far has by and large just bored the shit out of me. Black Widow, I thought was really mediocre. I had, I was full of problems with that. Um, Shang-Chi, which people said, oh, it's great, it's this, it's this martial arts movie, it's doing a Jackie Chan movie in the MCU. There's one scene that is kind of trying to be a Jackie Chan movie. And then, I still like Shang-Chi a lot. And it's mostly it overshot, so you don't really get the impact of like being impressed by stunts. It's like too CG, it's too flashy, too much slow motion, stuff like that. So I think it, it failed on that promise, and then I hated the back half of that movie. Like I just despised it. Uh, Eternals... Like, I appreciate some yeah. of the big swings that it was trying to take, but it was just dull. The characters weren't likable. Um, it's kind of weird, though, that, like, as far as I know, nothing from Marvel has referenced the fact that there's a giant celestial sticking out of the nope. planet and it's huge. Like, it would be a and tourist this, attraction at this point. Well, and even, but even then, like, <laughs> yeah, and I don't need everything continuity to line up, but when you have a shared universe, you kind of want a little bit of references. It's It's like if you're paying attention, and I forget which movie but they're talking about the hulk's fight in harlem i think it's in in iron man 2 i can't remember but there's a slight reference in there mm. and and that type of stuff so like you know sudden a celestial popping up you would think would be referenced at least in some of these tv shows but then even then the, the, you know it's just it's very frustrating and people just eat it all up and it's like okay cool i'm not gonna tell you to not enjoy things like if you enjoy it, fine, but let's not pretend, you know, that this is all figured out. Because, like, you know, that said, Pete, I do think you'd enjoy the raminess of the back half of Multiverse of Madness. Okay. Um, yeah, you're saying that, though, but are you aware that I dislike every Sam Raimi movie except the ones called Evil Dead? Yeah, and I think that <laughs> being that uh, he really channels Evil Dead in the Marvel Universe uh, for that back half. Okay. You're going to hate the first half. I'm not going to lie to you. The first half, you're going to be like, oh, this is Raimi. I do not like Honestly, I have thought about watching it like five times, and I can't bring myself to do it. I just don't want to. He, and again, (laughs) just like what I said with Taika with Love and Thunder, Multiverse of Madness, you know, for all its flaws and for all its strengths, is a Sam Raimi movie. Uh, And it it does hit that evil dead. Now, of course, he has to rein it in. You know, you can't can't have deadites in the Marvel Universe. Why not? Um, I mean, theoretically, you can, but... Um, but yeah, so but I, no, every time I think about watching it, because I think, oh, I should just to keep up to date mm-hmm. and like, you know, it's this big thing that keeps moving. Every time I think about it, I'm just like, I just don't want to. I just, I, the, the thought I've, of sitting down and watching this is just not appealing to me. I've still not seen a Marvel movie since Endgame. Mm-hmm. 
Like none of them. They don't mention much to be honest. (laughs) Even though they're they're all there just on Disney Plus, right? I could just open it and watch them. I have Disney Plus. But the more of of them that there are, the more that I have to catch up on. Because you do have to catch up on them. I can't just jump into the latest one now. I have to actually watch through them. No, I, I will tell you, Connor, you would probably enjoy WandaVision. And I, I watched the first two, three episodes of One Division, and I thought it was yeah. awful. It, it pulls together. I feel oh, like yes, worse as it goes, Matt. What are you talking goes, about? I don't think so. I the ending's terrible. It, the, One yeah. Division is good until the last like, two episodes, and it goes down the shitter. Yeah, did, I watch, did I watch two or three episodes of One Division? I, I think watched two. I, I really liked the when them jumping around and trying to figure out everything that was going on. And then what they it, did, but it just turns up to a generic is, Marvel fight at the end. It's that, like it, it takes yeah, everything but, that was interesting about it and just shoves it down a toilet. But then, but then they take that character that they establish of Wanda and completely undo everything to throw her to make her the villain of Multiverse of Madness. All the lessons she learned in WandaVision do not apply because we it, need her to be. Mike, do I know who I, I, I know? I don't care about Marvel anymore or the Marvel movies anymore. Is that I have just not held back with looking at spoilers. Like I looked yeah. at spoilers for everything, all of the mm-hmm. juicy stuff that was in uh, Multiverse of Madness. I, yeah. you know, someone had a spoiler for the end in a Ragnarok, and I, you know, I'll just click mm-hmm. on it. I don't care. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, 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 oh, sorry, yeah, Love and Thunder, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not Ragnarok. I, I mute yeah. all of the Marvel things on Twitter, but not yeah. because of spoiler. I'm not. I don't care if I get spoiled. But more just. You just want to hear about it. I just don't want to yeah. hear about it because if yeah. it, whenever they come out, they do fill like just flood my timeline. I'm yeah. like, this is uninteresting. <laughs> the the most I ever felt like Pete was when a friend tried to grill me for not enjoying No Way Home as much as he did, <laughs> and he tried to appeal. He tried to appeal to like, oh well, my friend who doesn't like Marvel thought it was the best one. I was like, bud, it doesn't explain X, Y, and Z problems that I had with the movie. I'm glad he liked it, but this is why it didn't work and. That's when I hit my limit, where it was like people are just liking things because it's the brand, and I, I don't do that with Star Wars, and I ain't doing it with Marvel, you know. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. I mean, how I feel about Marvel right now is kind of how I feel about Star Wars for decades at this point. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, I I like Star Wars a lot more, and mm-hmm. I consume all of that still pretty much. Yeah. But I would say it's worth knowing there is significantly less of that still than than mm-hmm. Marvel. Yeah, and for now. So, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I mean, even even if they turn it into, you know, constant TV shows. Yeah. They but have even, three, four movies a year on top of that. No, but even even Connor had issues with Book of Boba Fett, because me and him were oh, talking yeah, about issues. that. Where Connor's not liking Star Wars to like Star Wars. You know what I mean? He, he, you know, it's fine. That said, did you watch Obi-Wan, Connor? I did, and I liked most of that a lot. Yeah. I, okay. I, it's not flawless. No, not, no, it's not, but as... Like as a story about a man rediscovering his faith is a perfect use of that character. I'm curious, because right? the general complaint I've heard of Obi-Wan, now I watched the first episode because I was forced to, mm-hmm. and I thought it was just really mm-hmm. dull and boring, but the general complaint I've heard about that is that it's a two-hour movie that stretched to six episodes, and there's a lot of spinning in the first like I, half I or so. I disagree. There's, yeah. there's a lot of people who complain about one episode in particular being filler, and I don't think people understand what filler, what filler is filler no. Me and Matt we had this, this discussion. Yeah, me and Matt okay. just had this discussion. Uh-huh. Not about Star Wars, but no, I was complaining because I saw people online saying season three of the boys feel like filler because not enough changed at the end. And I think they're crazy because there's so much character arcs in that season. That is that is how I feel yeah. about this specific yeah. episode of um uh, of Obi Wan. Where I'm like, which one? Which one is this? Remind uh, me. It's the one where they're escaping from the Inquisitor's okay. temple. Yeah. I'm like, 
What? How, yeah, how can you yeah. possibly think that's that filler? Was, that's that bizarre to me. Actually, uh, just, just to brought up the boys, I saw a great quote from Eric Kripke yesterday. Oh, I know which one this is going to oh, be. This is so good. So yeah, there's some swearing in it and stuff, so I have to censor my paraphrasing I, from memory. I almost brought this up about 15 minutes ago, and then we yeah. got to Marvel. Um, so he basically was talking about, uh, you know, writing TV shows and how he still writes TV shows episode by episode, even though it's on a streaming service, and basically said that these shows, they expect you to be like, oh, just stick it out until like, the eighth episode, you know, eight out of ten episodes, that's when it kicks off and everything until then is just waiting for it to get good, because a reviewer saw it all and said, oh, it gets good at episode eight. Um, that's bullshit. No, it's a TV, make an effing TV show. I used to make mm -hmm. 22 episodes a season, and I had to keep your attention for all 22 of them. So make a goddamn TV show. I, uh, yeah, I, I read like the full interview with him about this. I wanted to hug him. Fascinating. I wanted to hug him. And he was talking about how <laughs> he respects all the people who came from like network TV onto streaming services a lot more than the ones who just come from like, oh, we're, we're making a movie. Um, because he's like, yeah, no. Sure, that there are a lot of advantages to doing it on streaming. Basically, he's talking about how they have all the scripts written before they start shooting. They shoot it all before you know anything's aired. So they, you know, if they get to oh, we're filming episode seven, we've had some ideas, we can go back in and add stuff to episode one, which yeah, that's good. you couldn't really do that on network TV because of the way they're scheduled. Because there are a lot of advantages to doing it on a streaming service. But he's still at its core writing it as if it was a network show with you know with with some extra. And you feel uh, it, you know, obviously not every, every streaming show is guilty. I think, you know, Stranger Things, I think there's a good job of, like, keeping the pace up and, like, having its distinct things each episode. We've talked, we, we, we've praised the good shows that do it mm -hmm. versus the bad shows that but don't do it. there's a lot it. less of them than, than yeah. the bad ones but at this point. There's so many of them that just spin their wheels and it's, like, Netflix pacing. Like, you know, I watched the Resident Evil pilot this week. Netflix pacing. Like, it just it feels like such a signature thing at this point. Mm -hmm. And... I want to actually get away from saying they're just making a long movie. Not because... I, I understand what the complaint is, but I think it's actually insulting to movies because that implies that movies don't pace their stories properly and, like, you know, have build-up and, like... A, a, you but know, yeah, it's, it's a bad movie. Yeah, it's a bad it movie. Yeah, specifically. Because, um, like, even a three-hour movie, if it's paced properly and structured properly, it's not a problem. That's, that's true, yeah. So... Which I think is... I, I can't speak for all the... The Marvel shows, but at least the Star Wars ones on Disney Plus, I think are, in in my opinion, a little bit better paced than mm -hmm. the uh, like the Netflix ones. I know Pete, you might disagree with the Kenobi one. I think it's very specifically actually released two episodes on that first day because that first episode is really slow and just kind of this tone mm -hmm. introduction, and then episode two is where it like jumps into all the you know from there onwards it's like all action, well, not all action, but like you know. I mean, I, I would definitely Thanks. lobby the critique at most of the Marvel shows that I've seen because I do feel that they're all two-hour movies that are stretched out to six episodes, and I feel yeah. it, and they're, they're spinning, and the way they drag things out. That's Mo fair. Moon Knight especially. Moon Knight would have been a badass two-hour movie. But I know. We'll, we'll see energy. with some, you know, as more shows come out, like the Styles ones, I, I may change my opinion on this, but right now they don't feel like that to me. They feel like mostly they have pretty distinct episodes and yeah. I, think, I think it helps that they know they're going to be airing it weekly or at least more or less weekly so uh, they, they're, the, they're aware of that when they're shooting them there's numerous uh netflix shows i could pull from season three just hit so i'm reminded of uh, season two of umbrella academy and that was such a slog to get oh, through i thought tedious. uh and it just it felt like yeah you know, like everything comes together in the last episode and the last episode was easily the best one because of that but like the preceding episodes were 
honestly mostly really dull. A friend at work <laughs> was talking to her. She, she goes, oh, are you, are you watching season three of Umbrella Academy? I was like, I'm like, no. I was like, season two was terrible. She was like, yeah, I know season two was terrible. I was like, so you watch season three? She goes, yeah, I'm watching it. I'm like, why? Why are you doing this? She says, she goes, I have to. I have to finish it. I'm like, and? She goes, don't watch it. It's awful. It's just as bad. <laughs> I'm like, good to know. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, there's numerous, and obviously there's been good examples, but just that quote from Kripke, it, just, it felt like someone is like, oh, I'm, I'm being heard. Someone's like acknowledging, and it's just, it's good to hear from a writer because they actually pushed in season two of the boys to really sweetly. Like, Amazon didn't say we want this to be weekly. It was Kripke and the people making the show Even that said, we want this. Is, from Amazon's perspective, it's objectively better for their their bank accounts, essentially, yes. right? Because you, you, you've got to keep your subscribers on the hook for two months, at least, as opposed to mm-hmm. one. Which, not, which not I, I like, I like the weekly, right? I like that we have a sustained conversation, like, dreading the Stranger Things, I couldn't watch Stranger Things when it first came back in May, but dreading the, the people that are going to stay up and then just watch it all, so then they can be the first one with an opinion. It's Sucks. Bad enough, it's bad enough with, like, Star Wars shows on Disney Plus where people mm-hmm. yep. will stay up to like midnight when it comes out in I think it, it, is it West Coast time. It West out? Coast yeah. will be yeah. I think uh, yeah. So for for me that's like eight a.m. So I I don't go to bed until like six seven a.m. Mm-hmm. Which is too late to really watch it and enjoy it. But also like okay then I've got to wake up and go to work and then I've got to avoid my phone like because um, it is a nightmare trying to avoid spoilers for twelve hours. Even though mm-hmm. it's like. For me, that would be like, okay, I got to the end of my work day, and then I come home and watch it straight away. And by that point, you know, more often than not, I've seen spoilers already, even though I'm actively avoiding them. And it's that that's with just one episode. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's awful if it's a whole show. It's so funny that, like, you know, Netflix started it to sort of stand out when they started making original mm-hmm. content, this binge format. And it did work for them. And that's the thing, it, it worked, but it was this thing where then everyone else started doing it for a bit. But over time, like, a lot of them are gradually shifting back to Weekly. You know, Apple's Weekly. I mean, I never went binge. I just started Weekly. But Same with Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus started Weekly. But Amazon's shifting more and more to Weekly. Hulu's mostly Weekly. Uh, you know, they'll do, like, two or three that first week to give it a bit, a bit of a kick. That's pretty but... common even across all of them. They'll give it, like, two or three episodes on that first week to go, you know, just enough to get you hooked and keep you going. Right? But, yeah, it's... They're, they're realizing that you know that it does work better. You know, it's better audience retention, better for your conversation, and, and you arguably, know, it, buzz, which is an important thing for streaming services. And arguably, it may actually force the rating to consider the fact that we need people to come back in a week. Because mm-hmm. honestly, the comfort of oh, they'll have it all to binge, they'll just keep watching it regardless, is the worst thing to ever happen to TV. Yeah, yeah. Knowing that your writers have to go, you no, know, they gotta actively tune back in in a week's time as opposed to just letting it auto-play. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a big thing. Uh, and it wouldn't be a problem, like, if, if, the, the, if the writers and creators still, if they all had Kripke's opinion and tried to still rate it properly so that each episode was satisfying on its own, it wouldn't really be that much of an issue, but the fact is that they don't, and therefore maybe a little kick in the arse to uh, yeah. keep it that way. Also, it's it, it's it's good that we can Vind- you know, you know, vindicate this, you know, and put Kripke up on this pedestal because, you know, he proved it. Season three of the boys was fantastic. Yeah, two as well. But both season two, and oh, three were really absolutely, good. and and one was really good as well. But 
it's not like he's just saying this, but then, you know, he, he's got the work to back it up as well. That, that's the, the important part. Yeah. Yep, no, absolutely. Uh, I had to bring that quote up, though. It was just it was such a... Yeah, I, I nearly brought it up earlier, uh, and, and then we moved on, so I didn't... There's like tears coming from my eyes. Like, yes, yes, Kripke, preach it. Preach it. Yeah. I also, there was a quote, just to tweet about right, the Marvel movies, uh, of all people, Roger Corman chimed in in his opinion of the Marvel movies. Yeah, it's always big news whenever Scorsese or someone like says, yeah, yeah, ah, yeah. yeah not real cinema, blah, blah, blah. And all the, all the fan boys get all, ooh, like old geriatric <laughs> man yells at clouds, like, ah, he's kind of right though, he's kind of right though. Um, <laughs> Roger Corman, um, speaking to my heart as well, uh, said, you know, those Marvel movies can be quite impressive, but I think what they should do, they should take a page out of James Cameron's book and, uh, put story before effects because the effects in a James Cameron. I'm sorry, movie... did you see Avatar? I did. Yeah, I did. Um, story before effects. Yes, the story. The, the effects are there <laughs> to serve the story. No, they are not. They are. They absolutely <laughs> no, are. No, they are not. I'm sorry. Even, so even, even you, people you... who like Avatar are like, no, it's a visual feast. It looks amazing. It's all these impressive effects. No one no, talks about the story look, of Avatar. Look, look, you're you're honing in on one movie. Even if you discount that one movie, James Cameron's entire career, which is filled with movies that broke boundaries for effects, did so with excellent stories that are remembered to this day. This is not a debate well, about Avatar. This I, is a debate about his filmography in general. I, I don't I don't care about Titanic until the back half on the ship starts to sink, and then and then the effects take over. <laughs> so like, you know, look, True right. Lies though. True Lies that movie's dope. I love True Lies. It's like we're actively avoiding Terminator, Terminator Two, and Aliens and the Abyss yeah. here. Like, what, what's going on? What are you on about? I felt the same way with, with Connor with the Avatar thing. I was like, well, wait, but you know, that's because I keep getting that stupid trailer and I still don't I think still it's coming out. I still haven't seen that trailer and I, I am convinced Avatar 2 has no story either and it's just more effects, but this time it's underwater effects. I no. cannot wait for Avatar 2 and Avatar 1, for the record, is better than most Marvel movies. I'm just going to say it right that's now. It's a very low bar. It has a low bar, admittedly, Here's but the thing. it still I mean, is true. A, a basic archetypical story, of course, is going to be better than some some of the Marvel stuff. But it's like it's a story that gets told all the time. It's just plug plug and play because he was so worried about that. Yes, he made up his own language and culture, heavily <laughs> borrowing from other established ones. But the story is plug and play. Like it's a story that's been told. It is, but he over yeah, eons, like so. there's been some good interviews with them talking about how the first movie is intentionally get a very typical story because the whole point is to like get everyone used to the world before he goes balls deep with the oh yeah before he sequels. comes back a decade later and everyone's forgotten anything that was well in that he film. had to go and invent some new film filming <laughs> techniques didn't he because he's a madman <laughs> but hey he's, he's filmed the next two the, the next two are definitely coming so no yes. well we'll see about that we got, so we got tell him December. I follow on Twitter. So uh, Cameron announced that he's probably not going to do four and five, that he's going to bring other people in. And someone I follow said, you know, it'd be funny is if they shot four and five at the same time, but the directors didn't talk. And so you just see what they both come up with. Set well, in the world of Avatar. Fair enough. Well, he's thought, well, look, yeah, but Cameron's already uh, written four and five. Yeah, well, I know, but it would just be funny. Yeah, that, you know, and I think them, it, I think technically he's already directed a little bit of four at least. I think I think I read that somewhere that they've done parts of four, which which I think is some it's probably got something to do with look, what actors I'm were involved. I'm just saying I'm I'm just a little bit salty that Cameron's doing what he wants. It's Spielberg's not doing good things. <laughs> that, that's all. Like, 
Yeah, West Side Story. West Side Story was great. Oh, it was so good. Like, I mean, yeah, you can't deny. One? Regardless of how oh. you feel about it, and I certainly have no interest in West Side Story. You can't deny that's what Spielberg wanted to do. Exactly. And and like Ready Player One and and the Post and all this other stuff. It's just not been you know. So I would take him taking time off and eagerly anticipating what's Billy doing next uh, versus some of the stuff that we've got. But um, yeah. Avatar 2 will be in my top five of the year. I'm I'm pretty positive on it. I'm positive. Have you seen anything else this year? Yeah, yeah I've seen good movies that's the this only year. Way. Yeah. I've seen if good you've, movies. If you've seen six movies this year, that, that might be the only way it sneaks into a top five. <laughs> I've seen like 30 movies already from this year. Thank you very much. Uh, we, we got interesting things still to come. We got Nope coming up. That looks interesting. Nope. We we got um we got a new failed day session movie. No, I'm expecting that to be top ten material necessarily. Uh, I don't want to watch it though. Uh, It'd be better than Avatar two. And <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, we we got a variety of things coming up. My mind's going blank, but there's there's tons of stuff coming out. You know, Nope is the one I'm looking forward to the most. Next, uh, Bullet Train. I'm excited for. Nah, you should, should watch of Crimes fun. of the Future, directed by David Cronenberg. It's your sort of movie. Uh, I'm okay. I heard about it. Uh, I already. I don't want to watch it. Um, I'm good. Thank you, though. I, I will be interested to see if, because I think there is at this point a slightly real possibility that Avatar Two makes less money than Top Gun Maverick. Because <laughs> I don't. I don't know if the interest is there for. Avatar. I really don't know. That is a possibility, but at least in saying that, Top Gun Maverick has made a very good amount of money, so it's not... Um... It has, but if, if if a year ago, if I'd told you Top Gun Maverick will make more than Avatar 2... Oh yeah, it is the surprise of the year. Like, it's not like it's... It's not like everything else is acting all wonky, it's just that one has done surprisingly well. It has, it has. But also... I don't know if it's good. I think I think it'll hit a billion, but I, I don't think it's hitting much more than that. Don't doubt James Cameron. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, I don't because James James Cameron raises the bar because he's James Cameron. So I uh... no, I don't. Want tomatoes <laughs> get off. Get off. I don't want to enable ads. I just want to see what movies are coming out this year. <laughs> God, that makes me mad. Oh dear! I tell you this. I'm not just to bring it, to say somewhat loosely on topic for the show here. I think there's a single comic book movie for the rest of this year. I give a shit about. Oh no, no, uh, there is one. What? There is one. Me and yeah. Connor are both in on this together. What? DC Super Pets. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, Super okay. Pets I mean, that's good. a quirky like thing. I thought we were going to see like Black Adam. I was like, really? No, no, no I'm wrong. I, I I will watch Black Adam at some point. Yeah, at some Adam. point. Hmm. Every but... every time. I get it. I see Pierce Brosnan and his fate, and I go, oh, Connor's, Connor's going to be happy at least that, with that. that is like, yeah, uh, that is like the peak of that movie. Yeah, uh, but every time I see that trailer, I get a little bit more bummed out that I'm like, why? This looks like a movie from 10 years ago. I, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be a good movie. I want to make that clear. Um, Honestly, Matt, I think 20s may be a more apt <laughs> descriptor. Well, I was trying to be nice. Yeah. If it's uh, 20, they're, right, they're, they're going for the nostalgia factor somehow, in style, yeah. even if not in character. Remember bad superhero movies from the early 2000s? Here's another one for yeah, you. Yeah, but you say that, but people apparently love those Spider-Man movies again. People love those early X-Men movies again, apparently. There's nostalgia for them now. Uh, so, hey, remember those might actually work on a significant portion of the audience. Yeah, that- but the problem is, though, like... You can't really do that with Black Adam. It's like you're kind of doing remember Iron Man because those are the vibes I'm getting. 
from it. Hey, so, do you remember this year how a meme convinced Sony to re-release Morbius and then it released to like <laughs> almost no money the second time? And then alternatively, the uh, the Minions movie absolutely raked it in because of a meme. Oh yeah, the suits have... thing. Yeah, dress so, yeah. so I didn't realize they were throwing bananas at the screen. And I was, <laughs> well, if, if teen boys want to get dressed up and go see Minions and be gentle Minions, you should let them. Then I found out they were throwing shit, and that's not okay. Some some of them were, yeah, and I think yeah. it kind of ruined it for the rest of them. But also, yeah, but I love the they actually went. They bought tickets, yeah. and yeah. like that movie raked it in because of. Yeah, I love the idea that some families went to a showing of the new Minions movie, Rise of Gru, whatever it's called, and. Yeah. There was like half the audience were were teenage boys in white suits with bananas armed with bananas. I, I love the stories where it's like there's twenty of them standing up and giving a standing ovation with the at the opening titles. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I love all of these stories, and I, I can I can just see Sony going, "How the hell do we monetize this for Morbius? Damn it!" I, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you make a, a look. I've only seen one Despicable Me. It's not for me. Like, I've right? unfortunately like, seen three of them. I also saw yeah, this one as well, but, yeah. But like, but, like, my nieces love them, and they're, you know, they grew up with them, so that's fine. So I understand <laughs> that. But, like, with, with Morbius, yeah, who's Matt, that for? But, Matt, it's Morbin time. I don't Morbin care. Time, yeah. Joe, it's just, yeah, it's just I, funny to me, the idea that some kids go to see the new Minions movie, and it effectively turns into uh, a screen of the room. Just with bananas instead of <laughs> yeah. spoons. I just yeah. that's hilarious to me. They don't get it. Yeah. Uh, honestly, yeah, so. one of my most weirdly anticipated movies of the year, not because I think it's going to be good, I'm expected to be terrible, but after the train wreck that Halloween Kills was, Halloween yes. Ends has my attention. Oh, <laughs> I am so ready. Um, okay. Tim turned me on to the to the uh, Halloweenies podcast, and they go really hard for, what was the doctor's name in the first one? Um, oh yeah, I don't remember his name, but yeah, yeah. About. And so they're 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 calling this, you know, the doctor's, you know, final form, or whatever with Halloween ends. And I'm here for that one. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, I'm curious to see where that goes because it, it, you know, evil dies tonight, Pete. Um, It'll be terrible. And then, Hall- and then a woman showed up with an iron to fight Michael I know. Myers. Halloween Kills is absolutely <laughs> horrible. I mean, it's still better than the Rob Zombie movies because just you know. Look, Layers. I'm not happy that I've watched it three times. Okay, <laughs> I watched but it I... once last Halloween, and it was yeah. the funniest thing I saw all month. Yeah, actually, yeah. That, I don't know if that's true. Is, that, is it the funniest Halloween movie? You know what though? It's super bad. Funniest, but it maybe. is rewatchable. Yeah, it's it's, it's stupidly rewatchable. Do, do, yeah, do you know the funny thing is, is that the first when I say the first, I mean the 2018 yeah. Halloween, right? The, the first reboot Halloween. Um. When that came out, right, so he makes a big deal in that movie. What the teenager says to the, the two friends, he's like, I mean, one guy killed like five people with a knife in the yeah. 70s. Like, that's nothing now with all the, the shootings that go on today. Like, right. you know, they made this sort of point like being reflective about how society's right. changed since the 70s. And then you flash forward to the sequel, and every character's like, 40 years ago, Michael Myers ruined this town. <laughs> like, yeah. no one remembered this asshole in the yeah. last movie. Why does everyone yeah. know who he is all of a sudden? Yeah. They just riled up all the boomers, that's it. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that's, apparently. That's what I like in that story, is it was it's the riling up of the boomers, and look what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, bad things happen when you rile up the boomers. Everyone gets massacred? But yeah, but when I think it was Tim that pointed out the lady had an iron. That's the, why I went back and watched it the third time. I definitely tweeted that out. when I. When... Yeah. You didn't just, like, look at that scene. You, you watched the whole movie again just for that. Yeah, yeah. Because again... 
as bad as it is, it is watchable, and I can't explain There's why. There's a lot of weird things. Like I love yeah. uh, Jim Cummings, and he's just he's yeah. there as one of the cops in the seventies, and it's such mm-hmm. a weird like he's so out of place because he's this comedy guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think the scene at the park with with Lindsay is really really well. It's like probably the best shot sequence in the whole movie. But like the hospital stuff, it's like the room bad. Like, it starts getting there, and you're just kind of oh, like... Oh, the man. character stupidity. Like, one of them ends up shooting yeah. themselves in the head because they're... Yeah. But, hey, Michael Myers John Wick's a door into someone's hand to make them shoot themselves. That's, that's, like, what? This man is in his 70s at this <laughs> no. point. But he is the shape, so... Um, I'm, but I'm I, I always too hot about it, yeah? I, I love what John Carpenter went asked. What, what brought you back? To, to Big sex of money. Well, actually, said because they added a bunch of zeros. <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's so apologetic. Uh, I watched In the Mouth of Madness this week. Finally, and the the more I think about it, the more I'm like, God damn, this man, he he's <laughs> onto something. Because uh, the point is, I'm supposed to be confused, right? Like, mm. I sat there thinking about the end of that movie on Wednesday as I'm trying to watch wrestling, and all I could think of is Sam Neill. So you know. But, um, I wasn't in love with the Mythic Madness, but like Carpenter from seventies and eighties yeah. is is pretty much yeah. full of gold. Like there's a couple of yeah. weaker ones, well, but it's mostly gold. I didn't enjoy I didn't enjoy Prince of Darkness. I enjoyed Mouth oh, of Madness. I, I love or, Prince of Darkness. Yeah. I think Prince of Darkness well, is way better. And, yeah, and I think that's the difference between you and me, right? Or the yeah, I taste or, good and bad. Yes, I agree. No, no. Um, but yeah, just in, in what we prefer in our in our horror. Um, but yeah, just Sam Neill going batshit crazy. I'm here for it. That's the movie he followed Jurassic Park with. Was in the Mouth of Madness. So He did Event Horizon a couple of years after that as well. <sighs> yeah. Which, by the way, that movie sucks. So people who remember yeah. Event Horizon as being good, no. No, 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 no. no. Okay. I guess I won't shit. ever rewatch it then. Because <laughs> no, it's, it's been a long time since I watched it. It, it scared me at 12, and now I'm just like, I'm, I'm okay. It, I just remember the wormhole. That's how they explain wormholes now. Was from that movie, with you know pushing the pen through. Was the that the first thing that did it? Was that the first? I feel like that. That's the first time I remember seeing it explained that way. Um, that seems to know because I just did it in the Ace a couple of months ago, so mm. it's quite fresh in my mind. And that seems really annoying because Sam Neill's this you know scientist and he's explaining, hey, we <laughs> built this thing to you know like you know travel these vast distances in space. And like the the crew in the ship go, but that's not possible. And that would be fine because yeah, it's not possible. But then they start explaining to Sam Neill, the scientist, the astrophysicist, why it's not possible because they have to explain to the audience why it's not possible so that Sam Neill can then impress everyone by saying why it is possible and what they've done to like break the rules. But like, he doesn't need to be explained. He understands why that typically this is seen as impossible. He 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 developed this warp drive thing. <laughs> He understands why they couldn't just do it with engines. <laughs> so, so never rewatch it is what you're saying. It's a bad. It's like a bad uh, Hellraiser slash Blair Witch sequel with uh, like Paul Anderson characters. That's what the movie is. Hmm. Wow, that is more damning than I would have guessed. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's trash. I think it's a trash movie. Uh, I will. I, I'm, I'm not saying I have like really uh, fond memories of it, but I don't remember it being like terrible. If I if I'm taking a Paul W S Anderson movie, the only one that I will honestly gladly rewatch is Mortal Kombat. It's the only one that I get some sort of pleasure out of. And it's not good. It's not a good movie. Like let me be that clear. No, it, but, it's, really but it's yeah no. But it's again, 
it's stupidly watchable. Kano in that movie is just wild. Uh, <laughs> it always it always creeped me out when when she snaps his neck and his eye glitches out mm. and it shuts off. Always gave me the willies as a kid. But uh, yeah, no. Whatever happened to her? She had last action hero in Mortal Kombat. And then she they just disappeared. They were trying to make her the next big thing, right? They were trying yeah. to make her the next big action sort of chick. Yeah. And then just the yeah, Bridget Wilson. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Did she do anything else after? What other Paul W. Sanders? I know he did the Mortal Kombat. Or the Alien vs. Predator. Like okay. four or six Resident Evil movies. <laughs> I've heard him described as the, the dark Paul Anderson. Because he's the different than PTA. Than Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, so, mm. ah, there go. yeah, you gotta be careful when you talk about your Paul Andersons because there's a, a yep. very big difference between the uh, yes, the, the two of them. Yeah, oh, he did mimic, he, he's doing mimic. They're remaking mimic, Maybe it's just the same name, it may not be actually a remake of that. Yeah, uh, yeah, Bridget Wilson has not been in anything since 2008. Yeah, so she retired seemingly. Unless, unless she died or something. <laughs> Maybe I'm... Uh... I, I remember she married... Uh, what's his name? Um, Pete uh, Sampras. Yeah, she's alive. Yeah. <laughs> she's alive. Combat, Event Horizon. Oh, Soldier. I like Soldier. But I like Kurt Russell. Uh, is this Paul W.S. Anderson movies you like? Yeah. The, the mimic yeah. that he's doing is a TV show. Okay. Uh... So maybe they're... Oh my god, that Three Musketeers movies. I forgot I watched that. That was oh, not god, That's awful. Yeah, that's bad. Oh, I remember the trailer for that. I, I, I stayed yeah. way clear of that bad boy. Smart. I, I'm still yet to see his Monster Hunter movie because even even though I know it's going to be awful, mm. can't wait to see it. Oh, it's terrible. Can I can can I interest you in a Paul W S Anderson adaptation of a George R R Martin story, starring Mila Jovovich and Dave Bautista? Jovovich. Yeah. Okay. Her. <laughs> Lilo. Sure. It's called In the Lost Lands. The sorcerer travels to a lost land in search of a magical power that allows a person to transform into a werewolf. If you take Paul W.S. Anderson off that, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm in. Yep. <laughs> if you remove the main creative force behind it, yes, I'll be. Yeah, but if you just give me the premise of that movie, I'm like, yeah. hell yeah. And then you tell me who it's by, I'm like, eh, 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 <laughs> Well, Jovovich is only in her husband's movies now, so if she's there, yeah. that means he's probably there. That, that is true. I'm not that big on her either. It's like guys. Sherry Moon Zombie. <laughs> like, she's Bro, fine, what is that but... Monsters? <laughs> it looks so what cheap is that? and Who's nasty. that for? It's for Rob Zombie and, like, the 12 people who like, like the little sketch I, show. I, I saw I saw the, the teaser, and I was like, oh, this is, like, a fun commercial. Like, if this was, like, for, a, you know, like, you're, you're doing a Monsters, like, hey, remember that? And then they, they're in... Uh, they're in the real world, and they come out of black and white, and their color matches how it would be shot. But then they just made a movie of it, and again, who's it for? I don't... I don't get it. Oh, man. I want to like the monsters, too. Well, if you attach them to uh, something, I'm not... Not yet seen the trailer, thankfully. I only clicked it out because I'd heard people say it was like one of the worst trailers I'd ever seen, so I, I had to check it out. But, uh, was it was it one of the worst trailers? Cause I only saw the teaser. Um, it just looks really. It, it, you know it looks like it looks like it has the production value of like a, a skit on a sketch show. That's what it looks like, and I'm assuming it's intentional and they want to go for yeah. that vibe. But it just feels yeah. 
really cheap. weird and cheap. Uh, so, yeah, can't say I'm uh, thrilled. Uh, luckily, it's not technically a horror movie, so I don't have to do it for Screams After Midnight. And uh, therefore, hey, the Patreon guys, you should gang up on him and make him watch it because it's Rob Zombie. Mm. Uh, I think there's I'm a gonna, stream goal in there. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on Tim because you know how Tim uh, dignifies Tim everything as a horror Tim, movie. Tim will take that shot. Yep. Uh, Tim's got the fourth Twilight movie in his future soon, so uh, you know. Oh, poor guy. I'd rather watch those <laughs> again. At, at, well, least, I'll at, watch at least I can at least I can enjoy the baseball scene, the first one, and go like, I'll, "Hey, worth it." I'll watch I'll watch Eclipse because Bryce Dallas Howard's in it, but that's it. Because because last night we're looking for stuff to watch, and my wife goes, "Let's watch Twilight." I said, "Let's not." Uh, so hey, I, I, I don't like those movies are at least bad enough that I can. I can laugh, laugh at what the hell yeah. they're doing. There was a funny scene um, in Eclipse where they're in a tent and uh, Jacob has to snuggle with Bella to keep her warm because Edward has no body heat because he's a vampire. Yeah. I thought that was a funny scene. So uh, have, you, have, you, have you not seen the last one yet, Pete? No, no, no. Uh, Breaking Dawn Part 1's up next. Oh, oh, you've got so much to look forward to. Oh, I bet. <laughs> he, break, he breaks the bed. <laughs> I know that. Wait till you um, see the kid. Yeah, we... uh. Uh, we watched Cha Cha Real Smooth with Dakota Johnson, and I made the mistake of saying I'll watch anything she's in, forgetting she was in the Fifty Shades movies. <laughs> I knew exactly where you were going with that. <laughs> and then my wife goes, "We should watch it." I go, "No." Pete said, "No." Pete said, "I'm not allowed." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Don't do it ever." Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, if I'm allowed to ban you from watching certain movies, I should be allowed yeah. to force you to watch other ones. <laughs> No, we already did that show once, <laughs> uh, and it almost broke me. So, um, yeah, but, but that was weird. Arson movies that I like. This would just be yeah, me torturing you with making you watch yeah. like absolute trash. There is there is money in that, but it would have to be watch-alongs mm. and just getting my live reactions to things, you know. But um, but yeah, I forgot she's in it because she's also in some period piece uh, based off of Jane Austen that's on Netflix. I was like, I like her enough that I might watch this. And then, then she brought up Fifty Shades. I, I take it back. I don't even know which one that is. Let me see what it's called. But yeah. I hope everybody's joined the DC Comics podcast where people are yeah, looking up Jane like, Austen inspirations. Yep. How far into the show now? And we've talked about comics for how long? It, we're almost out of nowhere. That's okay. We, there's timestamps for a reason. Yeah, it's called Persuasion. Uh, Based off of the novel by Jane Austen. So, okay. Yeah. I am not opposed to checking that out. So I said, you put one of my favorite actresses in a in a period piece and I'll watch it. And then I remembered I still haven't seen the favorite. Uh, oh, that movie is so good. Yes, I know. Like, but that I don't that like... movie is legitimately great. Even Pete would I, enjoy that movie. I, I, I don't like Yorgos that much. Pete, so, Pete would. Yes. Because it is that surreal yeah. I enjoyed the lobster. That's uh... yeah, exactly. If you enjoyed, I that did part. not. <laughs> What's not to enjoy, Matt? He's going to turn a lobster if he doesn't find love. It's simple. Yeah, it makes sense. It's logical. Okay. <laughs> if, you, if you say so, uh, yeah, I do say so. Yeah, so. in that case, you you would enjoy the favorite, yeah. Yeah. despite it being a period piece. Oh, yeah, I suspect. I suspect I might. I suspect I'm I might. This uh, doesn't bode well for how I felt about the books this week because I'd much rather keep this conversation going. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be yeah, honest. I didn't have a great week for the books either. I mean, yeah. I had, I'm going to say now I had one one good book 
And then, yeah. And then some okay things. Yeah, yeah, I had... Yeah, yeah, I just... There was a couple that I normally enjoy that I wasn't as into, mm-hmm. and a couple mm-hmm. of weird things. One, uh, one that I, I, hope, I really, really enjoyed. I hope uh, that we're all on about the same book here. That there's the I one book. We like, yeah, we, yeah, that was a good book. Probably, probably. Yeah, I suspect we are because I can't imagine it being anything else personally. Like yes. the, the chasm is that big. I'm like, it can't possibly yeah. be any of the others. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe one of Matt could throw a curveball. Let's be honest. It's. I'm not. I'm just gonna. Yeah, it's not. It's what you think it is. Okay. We, we should do some sort of like comic book roulette thing where um it's we like all Russian need to roulette. write down what the book is that we think everyone else is. No, no, no. I'm thinking it's, it's something mistakes later on where it's like we pick a, like a say a like a Bible Dell issue to do right, and whoever loses has to do that issue. <laughs> then we spin the the metaphorical oh, gun because no, 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 no. I don't I don't I don't trust you to not load it with my name. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> how dare you! <laughs> <laughs> I love that yeah, he's like let's check the rest of the bullets and it's like Matt 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 no, Matt no, no. <laughs> it's, it's just me and you Matt he's not in it at all <laughs> no. he's like yeah I'm the one that loads it it's dangerous enough <laughs> uh, mm. uh, alright I suppose we should actually talk about comics yeah what, what's first uh, yeah you, you guys take it away uh, Dark Crisis, Worlds Without Justice League, Superman issue one, Tom King writing with Chris Burnham on the art. It was a backup as well. We'll talk about that separately at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, from what Carl just said, it sounds like he didn't read this. I did not, because I think Dark Crisis is absolutely terrible. I refuse to read tie-ins. <laughs> it took me four attempts to get through issue two of Dark Crisis over the last three days. What? It's awful. Uh, we have different definitions of awful. Uh, Williamson <laughs> cannot do this style of story. I'm sorry. He's 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 failed all the attempts he's tried so far for me. This is this is a return. Uh, of course, Carter comes back and hits us with this. This is I'm, I'm shocked that you guys are enjoying it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can really like issue one. That's I, fine. I like Look, where it's going. It's, it's not the best, but it's I don't think it's bad. No, no, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's still doomsday clock. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I'm yeah. Not... It's got nice enough art because Sam is it's not, very good. It's art. not doomsday clock because Connor's read it. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, hey, I also was not here for any of the issues of Dark Crisis yet. Yes, so I know. Maybe yes, it is doomsday clock. Yeah. See. Um, I'll just this. I liked when Tom King does these small stories like this because he's really good at. Uh, taking something and doing like um like these smaller moments because this is a series the story with superman are it's what five years but each each year is over a course of a couple pages in john's life i can just Um, before we get to like talk about what this is mm -hmm. can i say that this issue and seemingly all these these one shots are not what i thought they were uh because it's called Worlds Without Justice League Superman, and maybe if I'd paid attention to solicits a bit more, I'd, I'd expected yeah. this. But I'm like, Superman's in this. Why is Superman here? I thought the whole point of this yeah. was that this is like yeah. the world without Superman, uh, and it's not that at all. If anything, mm-hmm. it seems like this is like, in the same way that Barry seems trapped in like this idyllic mm-hmm. reality, it feels like all these one shots are all these various that, Justice League members which, trapped in some kind of dream or their you know whatever world they've been put into. It's it's very Black Mercy style. Yeah. Story. Where it's giving them what they want to keep them from trying to fight it, um, which once you figure that out, and you know what these are. That's fine. I mean, I'm going to read them all for every character. Well, I feel like we're going to get backups because this one was Superman and Aquaman. I feel like we'll get 
them pairing off like that. Um, but, you know, we we speculated that with Barry, at least, and then we kind of brought up in Dark Crisis 2, maybe that's what's happening to the rest of them. Yeah, they're all somewhere else and, like that, yeah. Right. And this, this you know... So you know, showed us that that was true, and it's like, so, and it's the very last page where Superman, as yeah. John's riding off to fight this war with Darkseid, he yeah. says, "Um, you know, I was here this time. I saw him grow up this time because that this is the period that he yeah. missed. And he was which, like, because it's exactly that period. It's like you know, it's twelve yeah. through eighteen that which, he missed. Which yeah. I I really like that aspect of it. Um, I just wish it wasn't so formulaic. But for one shot like this, a standalone, it's fine." Um, it, it, it's a weird thing because like on the one hand i think it's a well-constructed comic i think mm-hmm. what it's saying about john despite his father's wishes has to go mm-hmm. up and help help the war between right. you know the, the the new gods right he right. has to go off and help i like what that said about him you know the idea that his first superboy costume is kind of like more of a robin costume with a lot of super you know yeah, man i thought that was I thought that was a stylistic choice, and that's fine, but it's, it's yeah. kind of weird. It's different but... for different sake. Like, I almost felt yeah. like it was, like, oh, there's a reason why he's taken Robin's, like, look, you know, in this yeah. continuity or whatever, but it never really did that. No. I, wonder, I wonder if the interpretation is that because Bruce has been there for Damien's years mm-hmm. uh, at this point in his life, obviously he's not done with that period of his life yet, but right. if the idea is that he's kind of, like, not jealous, but, like, this is, right. like, you know, his close friend Batman's got a son and right. he's living through that period of his son's life right now, so well, this is why he's dressed as yeah. a Robin. I maybe, almost maybe rather he just wish... he looks cooler and he's just jealous. Well, yeah. Uh, maybe. I, just, <laughs> I mean, it would have been nicer to have his old Superboy costume that, that mm. had been established. No, that would have made sense, Because yeah. then it would have felt like, because that's what, that's what Clark knew when he was Superboy, so it's just a little bit weird, but it still works. I mean, they're definitely going for the Batman and Robin vibes. Because it's it's established that Superboy's a sidekick, and uh, we get some good Lois stuff with her, you know, being mom to you know, to Superboy, and and all that stuff. Yeah, but, the yeah. Weird, the weird thing is, is she never had to do much work as a reporter while she had no. John, because she was obviously right. away from the Daily Planet and just came back, and mm-hmm. it's right after that that he right. you know went missing for. Right. Know, well, for them it was a couple of weeks, but for, for him it was yeah. years. Yeah. Um, I also like the fact that he's fighting Orion, but it's been a corrupted Orion. And, you know, the whole idea of the father and the son, you know, you know, are, he wants to be his dad. John does. Whereas, you know, Orion's dad is dark side, his biological father. And he's become him for better, or for worse. And, you know, John is is fighting Orion in that, that you know. Um, so I, I like that whole aspect from King because yeah. I feel like King does have a good grip on on the new gods so, now, so as we the basic gist of this issue beyond what we've already said which is it's you know john's growing up through that time period that he otherwise missed because he was away and he's waking up thinking that he's hearing nightmares having nightmares of this war uh, on apocalypse and new genesis uh but then clark reveals that sometimes he hears it as well and what it actually is is just the sounds of this war like you know getting to their super hearing mm-hmm. and the idea is that john can't just let it go you know superman's accepted that he can't solve this conflict so he just stays and protects earth and does other things but john can't let it go so even though he's told repeatedly not to go and interfere with it he keeps doing it anyway um and the end of the issue he almost, is... almost dies right like he yeah he it's he it's pretty bad in which you know clark starts to feel guilty for because John has no choice but to be who he is, because that's what Clark did too. And so just the perspective, like his parents couldn't stop him, he's not going to be able to stop John. And I did like that. 
Yeah, <clears throat> and that's that's basically it. It's it's, it's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. I think honestly, it's this weird thing where I got to the end of it. Like, okay, so that's what these are going to be, and then the backup is basically that for Aquaman. So it's like, okay, this is what it's going to be. But and, I, and I have to admit, yeah. the thought of reading five more of these did not feel particularly enticing because I'm like, no. okay, some of them might be good, some of them might not be good, but it does feel like it's going to be a bit repetitive, where it's just all them living out some idyllic yeah. life. You feel the formula already. Yeah, yeah at least. At least with Barry, we get that whole Silver Age art shift, and yeah. it feels like a different realm. Um, but and, here, this just feels like a dreamscape because the Burnham art. And the thing with the Barrys is that we, in the flashbook that's tying in, mm-hmm. we've got the rest of the Flash family looking through these alternate timelines looking for them. So we have characters who we can follow and relate to who understand what this is. So mm-hmm. we're not just watching the story where someone's in the trance or in the dream and doesn't realize that they're you know, who they are or what version of themselves they are. So, you know, in the flashback, we can follow Wally and he's the protagonist. We can follow the other Flash characters and they're the protagonists mm-hmm. of their own like, individual adventures, the kids, whatever it may be. Here, it does feel like every time it's just going to be, okay, what is the status quo the heroes are in in these fantasies? And is there anything by the end that kind of shakes it up? And seemingly, no. I mean, in no. both of these cases, it's just it gets towards the end. Oh, and there's, there's a bit of narration where they say, oh, this is like you know better than you know i got to be here this time or i got to whatever yeah yeah it's them being lulled into a sense of security because this is you're giving them what they want right and this one it's superman gets to see john grow up in the years that he missed and for arthur in in the backup it's he gets to see his family united well, I guess to see uh, his daughter Andy being married to that speedster right. who was in that future story from before. That, yeah. was, a, that was a nice callback. I do appreciate mm-hmm. that that was a callback to that relationship they teased in that future Justice yeah. League story, which is cool. But um, but that's basically what it is. You know, even, uh, you know, Black Man is involved and there's like someone who tries to assassinate uh, Andy on her wedding day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, you know, that's basically uh, just what's the creative team on this story at the back here just it was uh brandon thomas and, and fico osio was the fico artist osio, which yeah. the art i really enjoy osio as, a, as an artist thomas is the ongoing regular uh-huh. yeah. writing yeah. right now which which is that's where it feels nice that this is like it feels like a piece of his overall story that if we were reading it would slot in quite nicely like you said like the speedster with uh with andy mm-hmm. and that whole relationship and then we get the jackson you know, being the bigger brother to, to Andy and being there for her. Yeah, bulky um, Jackson with a beard. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, which is kind of cool because it's playing off of that Aquaman book, you know, the old Peter David um, version, which is which is cool. But yeah, but just kind of as a story, it was just kind of there. Um, Black Manta showing up like that, that was, that was Jackson. That was a sparring session. Yeah. So, so basically, just to, you know, the ending of the Aquaman book, where it kind of then teases what's really going on, is Aquaman wakes up, and he's like, I don't have all this shit. I don't yeah. have my hands around your throat. I've been dead before and came back, which wasn't even that long ago, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, soon, uh, we'll see if you can say the same. So it's, it's just, it feels like it's going to just be like a little sting at the end every time of the character realizing yeah. or acknowledging in some way, this isn't real, and I'm going to come back. Mm-hmm. I, I can already, after one issue, and it's part of it, even if I think it was just the main story, I'd probably still feel like it's, they're all going to play out the same way. But yeah. the backup being there and showing that even the backup played out that way, it was like, I can already see the repetition in this. And I don't know if anything yeah. monumental is going to happen. It may depend on creative teams or how quiet the weeks are, but 
Yeah, I'm not it's sold not like by Tom this. King's a small name to throw on these already. No, 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 no. but like, but again, with the Tom King, he's kind of good at these type. Where that's why I just thought this is like one of those not an imaginary story, you know. But like it was the whole thing was World Without Justice League. So what's what's Superman like when there's no Justice League? That's how I read it. I, I think, think the title like, of this this series of one shots is very mm-hmm. misleading. It's also very clunky, but it shouldn't be yeah. called Worlds Without a Justice League. It should be like. Justice League Lost or something with that, and like because right. we're following where yeah. they are, not the world without them. <laughs> right, and that's where I thought it was almost going to be like those dark crisis, not dark crisis, um, the dark multiverse, the metal where they, where they redid the events. Yeah, the oh, metal okay, ones. oh yeah, tales from the dark multiverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's what I thought these were going to be. So this is like if there's no Batman, right? Superman and Superboy become the kind of Batman and Robin because that's what the covers a pull off of, and that's Which, what the costume was like. And I, I think you know? um. While that is all just a series of like, okay, a writer mm-hmm. gets to be wacky and do an alternate take. Yeah. I think at least there, they'd all be very different because it'd all be reimagining yeah. each individual thing different. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, a Gotham without Batman's very different from a Metropolis without Superman and so on and so on. Right. Uh, right. Whereas here, it kind of feels like, okay, obviously there'll be specific things that they can maybe call to in each character, but I mean, even this one, like the backup and the main story are both about the superhero and their kid. So there's even like mm-hmm. some, I mean, maybe that's a good thing that there's a thematic connection between the two yeah. in this book, but at the same time, I'm wondering, it just highlighted the repetition of it. I'm just looking at the teams on the next one. Yeah. So the next one that I can see at a glance is uh, the Green Lantern one in okay. August. So that's John Stewart, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it has a backup with Hawkgirl. Uh, okay, I don't know how makes... exactly these writers split up. It's got three writers right. on it here. So um, who are they? Uh, Philip Kendi Johnson. Okay. Okay. Uh, Nadia Shamas, who's been doing the stuff mm-hmm. on Detective Comics. With Tamaki. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And Jeremy Adams, who's been doing the Flash, Flash, Flash. stuff, right? Yeah. And so I wonder if it's going to be yeah, uh, Shamas and, and Adams. Well, it looks like for probably the main story. Yeah. I would say if Kendi Johnson is written first, he's probably the main story. Yeah. Wise, and, then... well, and, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm there for Philip Kendi Johnson Green Lantern story. I just like what's John saying that's gonna lull him into a sense, and can they oh, tie that? I wonder if the planet girl? he d- destroyed is going to play into. Oh, Zanshi. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's going to be happy. It's going to be. Do you want me to say what it actually says. Okay. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> let me just open it back up real quick because I I closed it. Thing we were done. And Leah Comic Geeks slow. Um, yeah. Prior and his force the dark. Don't know how to live. Waste the most powerful. All hope was lost. Spirit just sleeping never true. Uh, all right. John Stewart takes flight to defend his planet as the Emerald Knight of Justice, alongside allies Red Hood and the blind prophet Carl Rayner. Plus, Hawkgirl takes to the skies in her own unique world, where there's life, there's hope. The blind prophet Carl Rayner. All right. Look, I'm I'm here for Green Lantern fantasy by Philip Kennedy Johnson. Right? It sounds like, a bit different, at least. I'll give it that. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it's so, going to be the same thing, but. And we'll like, see. what's the Red Hood going to be? Is this Red Hood going to be like Robin Hood? Is it going to be Roy? Right? Is there going to be some kind of, you know, tie to Green Arrow? Because it's Green Lantern? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm not out on them, right? I'll probably still try the next one. It's only one a month at least, which is nice. Yeah. And what's, uh, what's the hot, hot girl one? I just said she's in her own. Yeah. Her own world where there's life, there's hope. And with that hope comes a, d- a deeper unraveling of the tapestry of the DCU's biggest event of 2022. I wonder if she's going back to Thanagar then. We'll see. The, the, see the use of the word tapestry has me concerned. 
<laughs> um, tapestry has which, which would leave the third one then having to be Batman Wonder Woman. You know? What do you mean the third or six of these? There's six of them? <laughs> yeah. Oh, are you sure? God, Batman yeah. and Wonder Woman are definitely going to be main stories, and then there'll be the other. The third one is Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, prior, uh, weapons of War. Prior... Damn it. Why is it all this nonsense at the start? Was the backup? Wonder Woman begins a new a, a new chapter in her life. Prior as uprooted her to a reality he controls. How would the Amazon princess adapt? Um, that's written by Teeny Howard. And then also Dan Waters and Brandon Pearson combine forces for a noir tale featuring Martian Manhunter. Oh, yeah. Okay. See? See? At least they're getting some decent creatives to tell these little yeah. stories. They're not just throwing it to... I love Matt's reaction to the sex. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize there was six either. Yeah, the six because yeah. it runs alongside the the Young Justice uh, like six issue mini as well. Like <sighs> those are the two tie-ins every month, basically. I'm not to sound like Connor here, but I'm less excited now. <laughs> uh, I'm you, still here for Dark Crisis. Maybe you not these. Batman or Wonder Woman are going to be just a backup. You fool. <laughs> why, I mean, why not? I mean, I could see leading with Batman and having Wonder Woman be the backup. I know, you we'll know get especially to, after everything she's been through the last couple. We'll get to Batman. You know? We'll get to that, man. Don't you yeah, worry. the one in October is Green Arrow. With a oh, I forgot. Of... Canary. I don't know. It seemed... Maybe? They're both on the cover, so I assume they were in like yeah. a combined story. Yeah. It depends on what you do a combined story if they want to separate, give Black Canary yeah. own one. Then maybe it's you've a still got two writers. You've got Dennis Culver and Stephanie Phillips, so it does seem like there's still two stories in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it probably but, is, yeah. But it doesn't... It doesn't it's mention funny. any other characters in the text. Right. So... Yeah. yeah. But again, we don't have solicits for that one yet, so we'll we'll see. Yep. Yeah, there's a solicit for this one that I'm assuming has been like an early solicit yeah, that's okay, put out yeah. on somewhere. Yeah, yeah. If you if you go back and look at the checklist, yeah, there were six of them all going up to December, or yeah, January. Whatever it yeah, is. I I do think that the art in this was the strongest point because both Burnham, like Burnham has a this one felt like. Frank quietly esque. Yeah, Barnum's art was good. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah like there was uh, a sort of aged look to Superman that mm-hmm. felt quite nice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was streaks on his hair. Yeah. Yeah, and it was really grainy and like the dark side, not dark side, uh, Orion stuff and the fight scenes up there. So it gave it like this grit, um, uh, which then you know counters the Oseo stuff, which is a lot more clean. The colors are super vibrant. Um, and it did feel it did feel like future state in in a good sense, you know. It felt like a piece of that. So, um, but yeah. All right. What are you giving the book, Matt? Seven. Yeah, I think seven's fair. Like, like I I know I sound more negative than that, but I yeah. actually think the issue is fine and like mm-hmm. has some good qualities to it, and the art's yeah. good. It's just it's more just the impending. Oh, there's five more of these, and I'm worried that they're all going to feel quite similar, and that's the yeah. the negativity that's mostly coming out of me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, we'll 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 see how the next one goes, <laughs> and go from there. Uh, all right, Superman, Son of Kal El, issue thirteen. Tom Taylor and Nicole Maines writing with Clayton Henry on the art. So, a couple of things to note here about the the names here. Uh, before I get to the writer, which obviously is is notable. Mm-hmm. Um. I was really not liking the art in this book. And when I got to the credits page, however many pages in, I went, ah, it's Clayton Henry. I knew I recognized these heads. See, yeah. I was shocked because I think this is some of Clayton Henry's worst work. So when when Henry draws certain characters, the foreheads are massive. Yeah. But like Dreamer, Dreamer looks like Dreamer. 
So it, there, no big well, forehead. You know. Here's the thing. I actually, I'm, I'm used to Clayton's mm -hmm. big foreheads at this point. Yeah. I, I can live with it. It's a problem I don't usually have with his art, which I really did in this, is the separation of the layers. Yeah. I, I, if you go like the uh, the title page, the credit one, the the big full page, Dreamer sat there. It feels like she's not in the room at all. Like it feels like she is superimposed on top of that image. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of that in this book. It feels like there's some, uh, yeah. like just on a crevice, like the, the, the physical meshing of the layers did not work. Yeah, I don't mm -hmm. like the head's uh, line work. I also really don't like the shading slash coloring. They've got this kind of airbrushed look to the, like the, the way they shade and yeah. the, the facial features. And I think it looks really unnatural and weird. Um, I think the worst panel of the entire book, and it's a really sad that it's the worst panel because it's a really good moment uh, from a story mm -hmm. perspective, is when... Dreamer tells John that Clark will come back. She's seen it. He's mm -hmm. going to come back. And he has this like single tear kind of panel moment. And I think he looks awful. It's, it's a shame because I think the moment of him like shedding a tear because uh -huh. he finds out that his dad's definitely coming back someday because he's worried that he won't. I, th I think that's a potentially great little touchy moment. And I think that panel with him shedding the tear, his face just looks awful. So I, like, I did not like the art in this book at all. Uh, yeah, which and, is and, and for me, like I said, this is, and you, you, Pete, you said, oh, you saw Clay and Henry's name, and you went, oh, it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. For me, that was a surprise, because I, I think he's usually a lot better than this. I mean, this may be worse than normal, but I feel like I've never really yeah. been into Clayton Henry's work. I think Clayton Henry's a, a perfectly serviceable artist when necessary, but there are the hallmarks I, you do No, notice. I've always had, th there's the yeah. problem with his foreheads. And yeah, that's, I, that, but I, like, usually I, the layouts are fine. Yeah, the layouts are fine, but like you said, maybe it's a maybe it's an inking, maybe it's a coloring issue. You know, I don't know. Mm. Uh, yeah. So the main gist of this issue is that because Jay's been, you know, outed as outed uh, as a as super the, as by a, himself. Yeah, accidentally. Yeah, last issue. Uh, there's a lot of attention, so John's like, "Okay, we can take this safe. Oh, I'll take you to this fortress. Why not? That's a good idea." And they're surprised to find Dreamer there because no one's been able to be able to get in. And obviously Nicole Maines, who plays Dreamer on Supergirl, or did play Dreamer, I should say, because the show's over mm -hmm. now, um, co-wrote this issue. And uh, we find out that she kind of got into the fortress by going through a dream uh, and come uh, out of it. Of an animal. Yeah. Of an animal yeah. that's, in, that's in the fortress. Uh, Which so. led to one of my favorite moments where Jay's like, really? That's, that doesn't think it works. You just dream through one of the animals. And Dreamer looks at him and goes, "Yeah, didn't you just pop out of a tentacled senator?" <laughs> and I just thought that was that was really yeah. All, yeah I nice. think he sums up best. Touche. <laughs> yeah, I I wonder how much Nicole Menz is contributing to this issue because I know she's been very involved with the character in the comic, like pretty much all the she, appearances so far she's written. Yeah, she did the the story in the Pride special. Yep. So, but well, I, I know um, she's I'm... been very involved, and that's great. But I, I do wonder, like, how, is she bringing? dialogue for the character here in Maybe. this issue it, it, you know it is is that what's good I'd, I'd just be fascinated by the process is, is yeah this I, 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 I would your character say this or that or whatever yeah i doubt she has much input in where the story's going because it's part of a run so i, I doubt yeah. like she's having yeah. too much uh saying where the story is ultimately setting but i wonder if she's even worked with dc and like establishing exactly what the power set is and sort of like yeah it, you know if they're giving her some sort of not control over it but like some saying like what dreamer is as a character then right. you know it feels like i wouldn't be surprised you know, in, a, in a year's time for them to be announcing like a six issue mini yeah yeah but yeah. 
either writing on our own for the first time or with a co-writer to mm-hmm. you know write us yeah, yeah i could see it um so the main bulk of this issue is that dreamer needs to show john like a potential future that she got in the dream and it's this awful future where bendix and co basically destroy the entire justice league and it's really funny that this is like happening in this book when we've just killed the Justice League effectively. Yeah, and lead up to I Dark Crisis. Yeah, so it kind of feels like this is a bit like ah, you know, been, we've just been there and done that. So it's a bit odd. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, we so we get this big fight sequence. Uh, John has to suck in all this like uh, Joker gas that's been released in Gotham, but it's laced with kryptonite, so he ends up dying from it as well. Um, everyone starts dying. Bendix is you know laughing, just Batman in the head, all that stuff. And, you know, that's like a good half of the issue or so. Uh, it is devoted to this sort of dream sequence. And then he snaps back out of it and it's like, this is what we have to stop. This is what it's going to build up to. Um, and it's like, okay. Uh, and there's a couple of moments where John says, hey, I met like your descendant in the future. And here's like gauntlets that will help channel your power so you can control it better. Uh, and it's, you know, so, you know, like, I think from a plot perspective, what it sets up is fine. Uh, you know, I'm still enjoying the run, but I wasn't into the art, and the sad part is that the ending kind of plays into the whole Jay's mum's the, you know, the former president of Gamora. Yeah. Um, which is all of our favourite plot points. Yeah, it's basically, like, don't get me wrong, it makes sense that when Bendix finds out that it's him, and, or even just, look, there's a guy on the news earlier on who says, Mm -hmm. see, this was always political, it's the the son of, uh, the former president. Um, like, I'm okay, it makes sense that the characters would react to that and use it in some way uh but it, it did make the ending a bit of a like okay okay i guess i see why we're doing this it makes sense but it's calling back to my least favorite part of the run so yeah it also called back to to john's time in the justice or in the legion of superheroes and i didn't want to remember that oh yeah sure <laughs> so it, it was cool that, that he goes and pulls out the gloves that dream girl you know so uh jamer can kind of control the powers a little bit better which that, that was nice it's a very john moment but yeah yeah it's not it's, terrible but it's, it is kind of a, well, a low point as far as the run goes and i think yeah. part of it's obviously the art part of it's just it playing on plot points that are at least favorite part but it, i think the third element that kind of hurts it a bit is that the bulk of the issue is this overextended look at this dream sequence or future, possible future, where the Justice League all get killed, which is a bummer for two reasons. One, it's like, okay, this is like, you know, at least half the book is just this, like, you know, fantasy, effectively, that, well, I get that you want to do a warning, you could do it in a couple of pages, you don't have to actually see the whole fight sequence and, like, all the ins and outs of it. And two, the fact that we just had a death of a Justice League made it all feel just a little bit too familiar as well, so... Mm-hmm. I think it all kind of adds up to just being a bit of a a weird issue to read right now. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I wonder what if so they did the death of the Justice League if it was, you know, John not being able to save Metropolis instead of just the death of Justice yeah, League. Yeah, it could just be John's made... death. Yeah, it didn't need to yeah, be the holy... Everything. It was a bit yeah, just too big, wasn't it? If it would have made it a little bit better. Um, but yeah. No, oh, actually, just make it be Jay's death. Like, it'd be Jay's death and then yeah, John's death. Jay... And it's just personal then. It's not, you know... Yeah. I think it has to be slightly bigger than that for Dreamer to come and let him know. Like, to be like, it has to be big enough that she needs to come again more. If it's just well, one it's person just... and it's not him. Well, no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm saying it's, uh, like, Jay's death and his own death. So I'm, I'm saying yeah, his own death is the, right, the yeah. reason enough to come and see him, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. it is yeah, Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Does the idea that Bendix can take out the justice league i don't know like 
Seems very easy, just, doesn't it? Yeah, for him. Like, especially that he's a Lex Luthor, you know, wannabe at this point. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, I, I buy him thinking he can and wanting to, but it's another thing to say, there's this possible future where he actually pulls right. it off, you know? Right. Where you need everything to go. But yeah. No, yeah. but yeah, no, it was it was fine. I just, I'm getting a little bit worried about some of Kel because it feels like these are, there's a lot more of these kind of issues lately where they kind of dip. Yeah. It's, 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 it's definitely a lot more up and down versus Nightwing, yep. which is consistently just knocking just a, it out of the park. Right. Also, is anyone else a little bit bothered by Bendix using Lex's color scheme? Yes, I since the beginning. I, yeah, it's, it's, me. it's really bugging are... me, especially now, like when he's out in the field in this issue in that dream sequence. Like he's there in person mm-hmm. in his, his green and purple and his bald head. Yep. I'm like, yeah, I, I, it, yeah. It took me a second to go, oh, that's not Lex. We get that this is John's Lex, but you could, you know. Have it be like purple and orange, for, for example, even, just to differentiate yeah. them visually. Even just the purple and green color scheme to be off limits because that's there's also yeah, there's so, two so, characters Joker. I think of. Yeah, Joker's the yeah. other one. Yeah, that aren't. Yeah, which and, and I actually the best. I don't hate the idea that Batman and Superman's arch nemesis both have mm-hmm. the same color scheme. There is kind of a nice symmetry to I, that. I like that. Right. Yeah. I don't, yeah, other people using it as well. Now. No, no, exactly. That's my and thing, especially with at least. Lex and the Joker are so different, right? About everything about that character. Oh yeah, everything's yeah, different. different yeah. Whereas Bendix is really similar to Lex. And you can't have not, the same thing. Not just the color scheme. I'm just I'm just realizing this now, but you can't have the same thing with uh, like Flash and Green Lantern. Their arch nemesis are both in yellow as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just an interesting little yeah. comparison. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So definitely a lesser issue in this run, I think. Uh, for a couple of reasons, and I and I don't think it's because we had this co-writer. I don't think the co-main's did a bad job. Yeah, no, no. The dreamer, the dreamer's voice was very consistent with what I remember from Supergirl. Yeah, right. So it it, it fit, and stuff with Jay was pretty good. But like, it was that plotting of the most of the issue is going to be the dream sequence retell, you know. So yeah, uh, so yeah, we give it a map. Six point five. Connor? Uh, I'm going to be a little bit harsh when you give it a five. I think it's just average. Yeah. Sadly, I think I have to go closer to Connor here and go with a 5.5. Uh, yeah. uh, very midly. This was, like, this was the first book I read, and it was kind of like, it started me off in this disappointing kind of <laughs> mood. I was like, oh, this wasn't that great an issue. <laughs> I started with Wonder Woman, so. Um, well, we're about that, to get to that. So, yeah, that, uh, that's why that. I might have given it a higher grade. Uh, Wonder Woman 789, Becky Clue and Michael Conrad writing with Emanuela Lupacino and Eduardo Pansica on the art. Uh, so I've I've genuinely or generally enjoyed uh, you know Doctor Psycho's shtick and you know the, the the plot with Wonder Woman and Co. going after him. You're, you're a fan of the Milk Boys. Milk Boys, I thought was funny. You know uh, the the Milk Extra is a is a bit of a gag. I like it. What's in the milk? I don't like that they had a slight reveal. And then they took it away from us. Uh, <laughs> what's in the milk? Incredible amounts of sperm, Matt. That's what's in the milk. Probably. <laughs> That's what gives the testosterone, right? I'm, I'm just imagining Matt yelling it like in seven at this point. What's in yeah. the milk? <laughs> I might have done that while I was reading. So you're not too far off. I just, I love the, I love the, the juvenile logic there that sperm is just testosterone. That's what it's made yeah. up of. <laughs> yeah, right? That, that's how I get mine. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> wait, wait, how do you get you the sperm map? Lying to me? <laughs> how, how does he give you this map? I'm, I'm gonna... <laughs> I have to do is close my eyes and suck out of a hose. Oh, this is getting dark. All right. Let's <laughs> move on. <laughs> I, I gotta say, for the record, that's not true. That was a South Park joke. Okay. okay. I'm just going with it. Okay, okay. <laughs> was no hose. Uh, <laughs> um. Oh dear. Um. All right. Uh. What happened in this issue? That's a, that's a, that's a good uh, question. Not a lot. If I'm being perfectly yeah, honest. Yeah, it was a lot. Doctor Psycho. Uh, much I was like, oh, so Giganta's in play. Um, and turns out that no, he is projecting himself <clears throat> through the mirror lady through what's her name? As well, right? Uh, still lost is at the center of it. Yeah. Bill Loss yeah, is the one who sort of, yeah, viewing it. And for all the, the hubbub around Dolos uh, at the end of the last issue, he sure didn't do much here. No. Uh, um, and then we have uh, Dr. Calculus showing up to Etta, finding out that Etta used to have classes with him, and he got dismissed for an unknown reason, which probably... Probably a bit of villain, know. let's just be honest. Yeah. Um, or something even maybe darker, I'm not, not too sure. Um, I don't know, this, this whole issue was kind of a mess, um, but with a couple bright spots. It, I mean, the the point of the issue ultimately is that all of Wonder Woman's friends get kidnapped by the villains by the yeah. end, right? That's the the the, the gist and, of it. And since the needles don't work on Siegfried, uh, Doctor Poison floods him with poison, like a gigantic yeah. type of wave. Yeah, Do uh, Doctor Poison uh, flooding him with poison, and then at the end, like. You know, having like them like with needles yeah. in her hand. Like, I, I, there was a two of the visuals that I kind of liked to the issue. Yeah. Uh, when it plays into some of the unique villains' kind of ideas and strength, like whoever's yeah. in charge and Doctor Psycho's answering to, you know, management yeah. or whatever they're calling them just now. So, you know, they're so not going to be the, happy with what he's doing, so they're teasing that a little bit. Yeah, and just the idea too that Steve knows what's in the milk, and that it just it almost feels like they want Steve to be the one to to flip on Diane and that's what's eventually going to break her. Um, I do like that sentiment that goes through and the overall, I don't know. It's not exactly satire, but just the, the stuff that the, the, um, the writers are, are putting in there, you know, the, the, you know, social commentary that they're making. I feel Lance, I just feel like it's a little bit too much that they're hitting it with too big of a sledgehammer at this point. I'm not too uh -huh. bothered about how heavy the social commentary is, so much as I am just about how. It, I mean, as Carter put it, it felt like very little happened in this issue because most yeah. of it's just this fight with the the mirage and then the people well, behind the mirage, yeah. and that's kind of but most I, of what it is. The social commentary part that really landed with me was with 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 the the duplicate of her, and then how how bad that that Psycho's treating her, but she seems to be the key. To it all, yeah. You know? Psycho says to her, "Yeah, Wonder Woman would destroy you without a second thought. I yeah. protect you. I'm the one who keeps yeah. you safe." Yeah, and just the fact that he's constantly talking down to her, but then also, you know, almost like he's gaslighting her at this point. That's exactly so, what he's doing now. Yeah, yeah, and so there's stuff that they're but just like Dolos being the god of deception and whatnot, just felt like it didn't land right. It kind of landed flat. Um after that last big reveal. Like, I felt like it would have been a bigger part of the story. Uh, or not the story, this issue. So, uh, but I like the art. Uh, I really couldn't tell where Pensica and, and Lupacino split. I felt like it was very consistent. 
Um, it wasn't wasn't too wild of a shift. I, I disagree with that. I I felt because uh, I could really feel the the Lupertine pages. They're, they're a lot cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, who was the other artist? The blank name. Pansica. Eduardo Pansica. Pansica. Yeah, I can feel them being really scratchy in comparison. Uh, I think all the all the stuff with the fight in the middle, like it's all like Lupertino. It's so clean. And mm-hmm. then if you look at like the, the last couple of pages, for example, um, like Psycho, the face is a lot more pudgy. It, it's a lot more scratchier. Um, it felt fairly jarring to me when I was reading it. Personally. I yeah, I don't have too much problem with the transition. I would say that I like I think the art's obviously all reasonable, and obviously I think both are fine artists. But I, I think it's just something to do. Maybe it's just because most of it was this big fight. It didn't feel like it had that much of a great flow to me this issue. It just kind yeah. of felt like it, it was, you know, it was just constant fight pages after another. So I didn't really feel like any sort of ebb and flow to the actual uh, structure of the comic, um, which is part of what made it feel a bit of a... I guess that's what the second book I read after Superman, Sarah Kal-El, which I was disappointed like, in. Uh, what, what a week. Yeah, and I was like, oh God. So the two ongoing books, which I, I thought were, you know, the reliable ones because of the ongoings that I've been enjoying, uh, or ha- have a, have an off month and that's you know it's a shame but it happens and you know sometimes they'll they'll hit the same time and that's just the way it is uh but yeah i don't think i've got much more to add to be honest not because not a whole uh, lot really i think it's a very happens. mediocre issue and, and this way i i think that's the show that i wouldn't be too mad if, if we get a different team on wonder woman yeah i feel like we're spinning I th- a lot i think after dark crisis i feel like a few books might get new teams it's still a while away, yeah, unfortunately. It's, it's still a few months away, obviously, but, um, you know, it's about four months left of Dark Crisis, but I don't expect Batman to, because Batman just got a new writer, but I feel like some of the other characters might get new teams. I can maybe see something on action. Obviously, we know the World World Saga's coming to an mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we might switch over after that. Uh, as much as, as, much as you know, we're all loving that book, yeah, I can see that being a, a natural end point. Unless Johnson's got a second saga in mind, he's got, he's yeah. got a Metropolis it's saga. It's, it's possible. More, yeah, more of a traditional style Superman story. It's yeah. possible. And I think you know. Taylor has quite a long look at what he wants to do on this book as well, on, on Superman. Yeah. I, I'm thinking more Wonder Woman, even Flash, uh, Green Lantern certainly could probably use the refresh. Uh, I can't remember what Green Lantern's doing right now. It's the John Stewart stuff with... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, I could definitely see some of those th- books uh, shifting to new teams, maybe around or after Dark Crisis. It just seems like a natural point to do it, especially if they're going to maybe like you know reset a few things or clean up some continuity. Like, there's literally one reason I'm still reading Dark Crisis at this point, and then, I, well, two. One, there's an appearance of some stuff coming up because they've already shared that pretty publicly. I'm not going to say it here just in case people are avoiding it, but mm-hmm. you two have probably both already seen it. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, just it's probably going to shake things up and I, I feel, you know, I'm obligated to know what those are. Yes, yes. Can't wait till the next issue of Dark Crisis if Connor's here so we can get dosed in negativity. Got to balance you pair, aren't I? What are you doing this episode? We're all a bit yeah, <laughs> down yeah, on this, this books this week. This is not such a hot episode this, this week. No. I come back and then it's like, oh yeah, great, DC covers. Let's, let's jump back in. I haven't read any in like a month because I'm really far behind. 
We've we'll we'll had a couple this. of good weeks before this. I mean, yeah, uh, we had really good weeks. Yeah, the <laughs> comes back. Look what happened. I know. Yeah, no, I haven't read anything from last week, barring Dark Crisis. But obviously, there's there was the new Batman and the Poison Ivy, so I'm looking forward to getting to those. Yeah, Connor's jinxed this. That's that's the problem here. Ivy, Ivy's really good, Connor. I I really like the first issue. Yeah, I read that. And you like the second. Week. All right, Matt, what are you give him Wonder Woman? <sighs> yeah, this is a five. Connor. Yeah, it's another five from me. Yeah, I'll give it a straight five. So it's not the worst thing ever, but it is straight down the middle. It's just a straight yeah. mediocre comic. I'm glad. I thought it was just me. I was like, oh, it's not clicking with me. But the fact no. that it's not clicking with either of you too makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, there's something sad about just getting all fives. It's like no one's even yeah. passionate enough to hate it. It's just it's all fives. Yeah. It's, just, it's just it's just another issue, right? Yeah. It's just fine. Yeah, there you go. Uh... Batgirls issue 8, Becky Clooney and Michael Conrad writing with Robbie <laughs> Rodriguez on the art. Uh, I forgot this book was still happening. Hey, my favourite book so far. <laughs> well done, so... <laughs> I'm have a low bar, admittedly. The, the bar's a bit low this week, admittedly, but... Uh, this two-parter that this uh, wraps up, uh, you know, has, has freed up some of the issues that the book had because it's you know, it's less overstuffed. It's kind of wrapping some of the, the loose ends up from, that were still dangling from that first arc. Uh, had Dick and Babs going undercover to the Aceberg Lounge because Seer's been kidnapped by the uh, the Saints, uh, and there's this like secret bunker under the Aceberg Lounge to try to get into. So they've all dressed up. They're doing this kind of sort of heist thing. Cass and Steph are kind of acting as Oracle on the roof of the laptop. So it's kind of shaking up the you know the formula a little bit. Um, yeah, and it's mostly pretty solid. Uh, you know, the flirting between Babs and uh, Dick is is fun. Uh, Steph and Cass, or mostly Steph, complain about it over the comms that they're being too flirty. Also fun. Um, they all get in the action. There's, you know, Robbie Rodriguez is not as good as the regular artist, right? But, uh, and there's a couple of weird shaped heads here or there. Uh, whenever it does, like, there's a few moments though where it has like the Batgirls and silhouette and stuff. And I know it's easier because you're not drawn in detail, but that stuff does tend to look quite good. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, the Batgirls on the roof have the sniper. They get uh, him down. Um, Dick and Babs go underground. Uh, one of the villains in this issue is the one who is performing on stage at the Iceberg Lounge. It's a sword swallower. So she starts pulling swords out of her mouth to hit uh, Babs and Dick with. Uh, and there's some comedy there where, you know, Dick says it's gross and things like that. Um, the big thing is, though, to get to see her, who is still technically a child, uh, they rescue her from the Saints, but Seer doesn't go with them um, and kicks Babs out because uh, she was going to go out last out of the escape hatch and it all kind of comes down to you know, see her still on her own but they've destroyed her computer she doesn't have all her tech now to do stuff and babs now knows her code she knows how she works so she'll be able to like deal with her if she does pop up again uh but seer does kill one of the saints uh obviously it's not something babs and that let happen it's just like she does it kind of uh by surprise um but yeah uh, honestly, the number one problem the book still has is the kind of like wink-wink third-person narration that's still there. Uh, it tends to loosen up a bit after the first couple pages and it will you know, come out a little bit back at the end. I still don't think it's very funny. I still think it's a bit too on the nose and doesn't really work that well. Uh, but uh, nice ending, though, is that Dick comes by after everything's done uh, and the girls have all... Because they all have to escape through the sewer, so they all need showers. Uh, and Dick shows up on the fire escape with Haley, uh, the dog. And uh, there's a great cut. The last couple of panels is him saying that oh you still owe me and he sort of stops the sense, but he's clearly going to say a kiss. 
and Haley's in between them, sort of looking up with like, you know, like, hmm? And then the final panel is them kissing and Haley's just like got, got her mouth wide open in between the two of them. They're looking really happy. It's a really nice little touch. The, the dog really makes those last couple of panels work. Uh, other than that, I don't have a whole lot to say. Art is good. The action flows well. I like to say, some of the faces with Robert Rodriguez, sometimes you get some weird shaped heads, especially on Babs. Whenever Babs is in portrait in the back hill, it feels like it's doing a little bit of a sort of weird angle thing. Um, but otherwise, it does a decent enough job feeling like it's part of the, the series in terms of matching the colour scheme and uh, the cartooniness of it. Uh, I do hope the regular artist uh, is back, though, uh, for the next issue. And I've not checked to see if they are, but uh, I would hope so. Um, honestly, I think what was nice about this two-parter is that it was a really fun, simple plot, uh, had good character interactions, and it wasn't overstuffed with things, and it kind of neatly wrapped up two of the loose threads from that first overstuffed arc. So uh, I'm kind of excited to see what they do now with a new arc at next issue. Hopefully they've learned a lesson from that first arc and it's a bit more uh, streamlined and doesn't feel the need to put tons of stuff into it because uh, that was the big problem with that first one. So, yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, they had decent fun. It's not an amazing comic. I think it's a solid 7 out of 10, but... Uh, like I say, it like it because both Superman, Son of Kal-El, and Wonder Woman under under delivered this month. Uh, this end ended up being like a a beacon of light after the darkness. Like you go, yeah, it's a solid seven out of ten, and you were like, this is easily the best book so far. <laughs> I I, you, I I did rate the Dark Crisis one shot seven, but that was muddied and like other feelings about what it represents for the future. Yeah. Uh, whereas this is just a seven out of ten, and it was a decent fun. So, uh. That's Batgirls, issue 8. So there you go. Uh, Naomi, season 2, issue 5. Brian Michael Bendis and David F. Walker writing with Jamal Campbell on the art. Uh, art's very good, as you expect, from Jamal Campbell. Uh, I'll just get that out of the way right away. What are you offer that? That you're leading with the best part of the book. That's all. <laughs> well, honestly, it's not terrible. It's not even bad. It's just, it kind of suffers a little bit of the same thing that both Wonder Woman and to an extent Superman did, is that it's mostly just one big fight. Yeah. <laughs> like, and to be fair, in the context of where the cliffhanger was from last, because this hasn't been fighting all series. This has been yeah. four issues of character work for the most part. And it had a cliffhanger last issue where Zimbardo and his goons showed up. So it made yeah. sense this was all a fight issue. It did. But I read this, like, second last. I'd already had, like, two or three books that were mostly just one big fight. So yeah. I was just not in the mood for this <laughs> when I read it. You know, and it's fine. I am tired of Naomi finding out new powers every freaking time she does something. Like, mm. that's getting old at this point. Like, I know she's discovering powers, but it's like... Her power is Deus Ex Machina at this point um mm. although here at least it makes sense for whatever her power set is is that she can redirect energy right and, and use it to hit back you know and like that's fine but it just again these guys took out the justice league in there yet naomi's holding them on her own kind of here uh i was worried about her dad because her dad felt like a red shirt throughout um but yeah yeah, this is I, a big fight scene. I think conceptually the thing that maybe doesn't work as well as I wish it did with Naomi is the idea that 
she feels like she's this hero from a small town. Mm-hmm. I like those small town vibes. I like like her supporting cast and her interaction with them. It's always been my favorite part of the book. I think the inherent thing of not so much the alternate dimension. That's fine. You can have that be small. But the villains that Bendis has made for her that show up mm-hmm. are villains that can take on a Justice League. So inherently, mm-hmm. Naomi to battle them is this super powerful, like ultra, you know, like fights in the sky, over the top, mm-hmm. like super comic booky. And I don't know if that's necessarily what appeals to me about the character, though. You know, it's mm-hmm. just more the the family relationships. It's the yeah. the character work. And- I don't care how strong she is, and and if they tied her power to how much other people believe in her, fine. Because she is an inspirational character, I, right? I, I, I wish it was more pared down. I, I guess, yeah. You know, and I'm not just saying this because the, the show just aired, but like, I, I do kind of mm-hmm. wish it felt a bit more Miss Marvely. I guess in scope, mm-hmm. you know, just a little bit pared down, so it's not as yeah. big and epic trying to be. Oh, Bendis Bendis is trying to make her like this new big character, but like you said, the stuff that we enjoy are the small moments. It's it was her sitting under the bleachers with her friends, yeah, in yeah. that issue, and the guy that used to be mean to her comes up as like hey we're cool right like yeah, yeah. it's all you have superpowers and i don't want to that's the stuff that's worked but all this the zimbato and the, the all the guys and just yeah and her just being able to take them all on is just it, it's not frustrating it, you know i think bendis is good at individual character making new characters mm-hmm. but he's terrible at villains because i feel like most of his yeah. original villains kind of suck uh yeah you know zimbato is just what's zimbato's power does he have power over darkness have we ever established just was, what it is? I just thought he was big and strong. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know this. Like, he's always in shadow, so that's what I, I kind of figured. Uh, I, I thought was it was his, the stylistic his, choice, his to be deal. honest. Yeah. Right, I don't know. But that's, that's part of the problem, right? Like, we don't know what his power set really is. And we're just told he's this big bad guy what, what, that Whatever he wants it to be in the given issue. Yeah, mm. so... But, yeah, um, so, you know, it's basically she kind of knocks him out at the end uh, to a point, but then, you know, she gets she passes out from fighting so hard, mm-hmm. um, and then the rest of Zimbardo's dudes are like, ah, let's go round up this Justice League and, you know, try to take over the Earth, basically. That's the, the cliffhanger at the end. Um, yeah, you know, it was, it was a relatively quick read, I'll, I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it felt kind of unfulfilling, and again, it, part of it is just a, a circumstantial thing where it happened to come out the same week as multiple other books that were just a big fight issue. And to be honest, as much as I do really like Jamal Campbell's art, I do think some of the designs of these villains is so like interchangeable with each other that mm-hmm. I didn't even know if she was fighting Zimbardo in some panels or if she was fighting one of his goons. Yeah, I mean, that's because some artists are amazing but they're not designers yeah right that, uh, that's why i know um that there are some artists that will hire other designers to do like to you know to design the characters for them and then they'll draw the hell out of them yeah yeah uh so like i you know i couldn't tell who she was fighting sometimes uh as good as the art looks it doesn't necessarily flow it's as a sequence and not because jamal campbell's not good at that but just because the act is just it's just all action it's got all these characters that i don't necessarily know individually uh mm-hmm. it's hard to just kind of like be invested in what's going on page to page because so much of it's just a, a smudge of action that doesn't really have any flow or make much sense to me. So sadly, uh, this might be the weakest issue of Naomi that we've had. It's probably my least favorite out of the both seasons, I'd say. Uh, it's yeah. it's not playing to the strengths of the book, sadly. 
So Yeah. There you okay, go. I can't add I can't add anything else. Well in that case, rate the book, Matt. Um give it a seven. I'll have to go with a six, I think. There you go. With a six out of ten. Yeah, rough week. Rough week. Uh alright. Well one final chance for glory. Let's hope. Yeah. Rogues, issue three. Joshua Ellison writing with Leo Max on art. I left this to last. I'm glad I did because it was bloody good and it was like, yes, a good yeah, book. Finally was, this week. I was doubly fortunate because it turned out I hadn't read issue two yet. So uh, I got to read issue two and oh, three of this and I'm like, oh, sweet mercy for giving me two Do great books. I was read. in such a bad mood after reading my books up to this point. It was the last book. I, I was like, oh, God, this is like 50 pages. Do I really, can I be arsed reading this? And it was, it was refreshing that after a couple of pages, I was like, you know, I'm just into this. I'm into this. I want to keep reading. I want to keep reading. I was so invested Gangst, in what was going on. Gangster Grod is my new favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Gangster Grod. Yes. Are we still recording? We are. I just, I, I dropped a tablet on the keyboard. I was just making sure that it hit the, <laughs> the hotkey. <laughs> It was, it's concerning. None of them, no one's muted. All right, I'm just making sure everything's still good. All right. Um, this this is where I am baffled, for me personally, that I can despise Dark Crisis by Williamson. Yeah, at the same time, he can pull this out and just be like, no, this is incredible. Like, mm. It's it's two different sides of that same writer. Like It's baffling. Yeah, um... You know, you got a uh, director chase looking into the disappearance of Cole back in uh, Central City, but obviously most of the stories in uh, Gorilla City. Uh, we have Sam, the sort of PI ape that uh, you know Cold got the info from in the first place, who has him uh, in his custody. But it turns out he doesn't actually want to bring him in. He sort of figures out his plan, kind of pieces it together, asks a bunch of questions, but ultimately he's like, "Hey, you can't get into that vault. There's only one way in or out. I help design it." However, I'll give you like the plans, and I'll give you like how you sh- how you could get in and out, but you have to kill Grodd. He wants rid of Grodd, so this is him kind of mm-hmm. turning his back on Grodd, uh, which was kind of teased last issue that he was frustrated with him. Um, yep. So you know, interesting, intriguing kind of spin on things, uh, and then of course you know we get all the we see how many guards there are inside and out of the vault, so it really sets up the haste element of it, and you know it sets up all this stuff. Uh, we also established that Grodd's got a wife and a kid, and he's not as much of a father as he wants to be because he's too busy with all the guerrilla city business. Work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, as we find out later, he's a complete drug lord, and it's all cocaine and heroin and stuff that he's. <laughs> I, I, I love how this book just became this noir heist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's quite funny. Yeah. Um, well, and I, and I love too that they're like, oh, it's not all the gold, is why guerrilla city. It's it's the drug trade that goes throughout guerrilla city, and I just love that. That's why Grodd's so powerful. Um, yeah, uh, he's, he's literally a king at this point. Yeah, he is kingpin. That's that's basically yeah, yeah. he's gorilla kingpin. Uh, uh, so yeah, the rest of the rogues are waiting for Cold. They're not really sure what to do, but then Cold shows up, and lo and behold, he's got maps. He's got you know intel that he doesn't reveal where he got it from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get the big heist actually play out. We get them going in, taking out the guards, uh, finding just shelves and stacks of gold bars. Uh, he gets Mirror Master to open up a portal to Mirror World where they just start shoveling the gold in. <laughs> uh, well, it specifically uses Magenta, uh, and which kills her. Yeah, uh, which yeah, he, he drives her so hard to to do every single last gold bar that it kills her, and he's so unrepentative about it. He he just doesn't care. Uh, like, yeah, she knew this, the risks. Yeah, this this really showed cold for him being cold. 
right? Absolutely. Like, up to this point, you're kind of like, oh, he's trying to redeem himself, but no, it is about this last score, and he doesn't care as long as he's the last one standing, right? That's Paul all. Always talks about. about like, oh yeah, it's, it's a family, but yeah, I, I think it, you know, I think as he pulls him out, it's like, hey, you you say it's a family, yeah. but it's all about you, right? This is you know. It's not about that. It's about him proving that he's still got this. He can he can right. pull off the greatest heist that's ever been seen. It's right. all this ego. And that's, that's what he's yeah. blinded by, right? Because he's, he pushes Magenta to the board. Then he gets you know, Mirror Master. Joe, you know, you know what's so funny about the way you just described that is that I was already getting like Breaking Bad kind of flashbacks yeah. from all the gold bars. It was reminding mm-hmm. me, do you know when like uh, yeah. uh, Huel in that, like lying the money in, the, in yeah. the vault? I was getting memories of that. And then the way you just described the ego thing, that's very Walter White. So I'm just, I'm getting it a is. lot of Breaking Bad it, from this. It, it, it's yeah. very much kind of on those lines. Which is funny because you wouldn't expect that from Gorilla City. <laughs> right. No. Yeah, no, oh. on, on, on face value, I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's a heist in Gorilla City, whatever, but. Yeah. But like it's this noir Breaking Bad s thing, it's it's so good. The fact though that they're the the stuff that's guarding the vaults, right? It's all, you know, all the security and then the drones uh, that are cybernetic gorillas, and, <laughs> and all, but just the mundanity of Gorilla City that they are dressed just like regular people, you know? Yeah, it's like this thirties forties take on on a yeah. City. I just yeah. I love the balance there. That they're doing like Leo Max does in the art. My and... favorite is is that shot of it outside the bank, where it's just all the uh, mm-hmm. the guards, like, like cops, kind of stood yeah. there with like the the typical mm-hmm. like police mustaches and stuff, yeah. and they're all, they're all like, a little bit chubby. Two days yeah. from retirement because then half of yeah. them die. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's so good. So Mirror Master has a standoff with Cold because he's not happy that he killed Magenta, uh, and he closes the portal. So it's like, hey, if they don't have him to get to the the gold, that's all like gone. It's just trapped in Mirror World, basically. Uh, and then one of the, you know, the gorillas, uh, I think it's like, you know, Grodd's like main henchman dude, I don't remember his name, uh, really? comes in and just grabs his neck and crushes it. So Mirror Master's dead too. Like, we're, we're killing them off quickly here. Yep. Um, so they have to fight their way out. Uh, they go running. And while this is all going on, uh, one of them, is it Heatwave that kidnaps the... No. no it's Trickster. It's, trickster, it's sorry. Trickster. Yeah, Trickster. Because he thinks, oh yeah, talking monkey, that'll or talking ape, sorry. Uh, he'll, he says uh, monkey though. So he does say monkey. Shows how ignorant yeah. he is. But uh, he uh, is like, oh, this will do great. Talking ape. That's like putting this in my show because because uh, as we learned in issue one, he's a bit of a celebrity now. He does like mm-hmm. variety shows, and it's like, oh, okay. Um, that's his plan. And when they sneak into what turns out to be the distribution center and they meet up with Sam the ape, he immediately mm-hmm. says, "Do you know who that that baby ape and, is?" Uh, there's the. Uh... The big bit you kind of skipped over between sure. those two points, where Lisa's like, "What the hell are you doing, kidnapping a baby?" Yeah. And he's like, Ugh, "It's just a stupid monkey." And then she slits his throat with her skates. She, of course, she yeah, will kicks his that. throat, which, and, and now Jesse's gone. Which, to be fair, so, uh, they set up an issue one that her job was she was helping yeah. was it orphans specifically, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least that no, was, was like social services, so yeah, then that like, ballpark. Yeah, abandoned yeah. kids. Yeah. Point, yeah. Right. Because she and her brother were abandoned by, so, by the dad, right? So, so actually, it made sense in the moment, you're right, yeah. I did gloss mm-hmm. over that. Yeah, but she's... that's a, a huge moment where she kills one of the team. Yeah, yeah. so, so Trexler's well, gone as well, yeah. Yeah, so so Mirror Master, all on this heist, Mirror Master, Magenta, and now uh, Trickster. Oh, sorry, so, Trickster, yeah, yeah. The only way to kill them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... Yeah, so they go in, uh, cold freezes a bunch of the guys, like, oh, look at all the, these drugs, like, we could do something with this. Uh, Bronze Tire just starts laughing because he thinks they're screwed. 
we're, then, we're so bowed. Yeah. And when uh, he, so he pulls out the, the baby ape, and then when uh, Sam sees him, he's like, wait a minute, do you know who that is? That's Grodd's kid. That's Grodd's baby. And, you know, we see him react to that as well. Grodd finds out, you know, his wife comes in, they took her son! Um, the end of the issue is Cold grabs the baby and says, I know how we can get a payday. We negotiate. And he holds up the, the baby ape. And, like, first of all, you know Golden Glider, given that she just, you know, killed Trickster for trying to use this baby, yeah. uh, is going to have a problem with this. So... This is really, this is so much of a bastard Captain Cold. That's what this book is. Captain Cold is a bastard. I went from being like, oh man, I hope he can do this because, you know, he's really struggling for relevancy and he, it's Captain Cold, he deserves it to like, oh no, dude, Grodd's got to crush him. Again, on, on the Breaking Bad thing, you, you're like, you, you want Walt, Walt to you pull it off, go on. You, yeah, you, you, do, yeah. you do it. And by the end, you're like, yeah, you should probably stop. Yeah. This, was, this was his, the I'm the one who knocks moment. When mm. when he decides we're gonna hold a baby gorilla hostage, yeah, so. I, I, I'm absolutely loving this book, and we, we've yeah. obviously we've brushed on the art, but something that I think is oh, that's under talked about is the lettering. The lettering mm-hmm. in this book is some of the best I've ever seen. The when when Brown Tiger starts laughing and it's all huge, like it's yeah. taking up space in the panels. Such a good good use the, of the yeah, the use of just the the shape of the bubbles that's used, mm-hmm. and then the varying sizes of the words in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a testament to the, the also the writing, of course, but the, the flow of the art that this is a 50-page book that I did not... F- like, sometimes you read the 50-page book when you're used to reading the 20-pagers and it feels like a bit of a slog because you're just... You're used to a certain length and it feels so much bigger. This flowed so well, I got through it without feeling any, like, you know, pacing or timing or... Like, I never felt the length at all. It, it just like, flew in and I got to the end and, like... I loved it so much of it was methodically just going through the heist and it's, it almost feels like, oh, if you're going through something methodically, shouldn't it feel slow? But no, it feels like captivating because you're every part of the, the, the heist or the action that's going on. I understand the content to, you know, to contrast it with the Naomi issue this week, where parts of the action were just, you know, masses of like explosions and punches and kicks. And I had mm-hmm. no context for who was punching who every single page in this, there was a context of who was doing something in part of the plan uh, you mm-hmm. understood to some extent why they were doing it because, okay, clearly you're taking out these guards here so that the next person can go in and use the, the mirror gun there and get, you know, everything flowed to the next action and it always felt like I, the, the, I could, like the plan, not that I knew what the plan was in advance, but like I was seeing it unfold and it all worked as it was unfolding. Um, mm. So it was really enjoyable to actually read through. It was just an absolutely fantastic book. Mm-hmm. Very little to complain about. I needed anything, this. Really. I needed this after the rest of the, the, the yeah. books. Yep. I really I, this is the last thing I read before bed last night, and it was. It felt very good. I also like, left it to last, barring my Patreon books that we'll get to right. soon. But because uh, I read issue two, I was uh-huh. like, "Oh, issue two was good." And then I came back and read all the other issues, and then I was like, "I'm really glad I left." <laughs> I, I was banking, yeah. on it, you know, being as good, if not better, than than the second yeah. issue. Uh, for the record, I actually think but, it's better than the second issue. Um, the, the, but I was banking on having that at the end to to get to, and the, oh, the moment that the pacing really worked for me was when they they get there and it's established that there's no back door to this bank, right? Because Sam mm. and Gorilla Grim designed it, and then Gorilla Grim shows up and is like, "Well, we'll just send him in through the back door." And he's like, "Well, no, the bank doesn't have one." He goes, "You think that I didn't update this thing? Come on!" And just the whole thing that Sam it's 
It's what you don't account yeah, for. Yeah, I mean, that's what it leads to. That uh, all that went to shit. Yeah, yeah. That, that's essentially yeah. what leads to Mirror Master's death. That's why uh, yeah. the other gorilla goes up and snaps his it neck. Just yeah. the look on Sam's face of like, oh no, I messed up big time. Yeah. I just, it's so, again, it feels like a, a quality heist movie. You know, now everything is completely gone, gone to, to shreds. Uh, and how are we going to get out? The, now it becomes a negotiation, uh, which I was not expecting whatsoever. When they introduced God, God's wife and kid, I was just like, oh, they're going to do like a Godfather. You know, don't don't talk to me about my business. Uh, which was definitely know, part of it. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, there, it served another purpose. And we know how much, you know, God might be a bastard, but he cares about his kid. Uh, and I, I would go as far as to say he cares about Gorilla City. Uh, yeah, it showed an issue too. There's definitely un- you know inequality. There's like yeah, poverty yeah. as well. But also on the whole, it's a very rich city, right? Comparatively to where it was before mm-hmm. Broad. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, excellent. Uh, these black label books mostly have been killing it. To be honest, like there's very few that have not. But yeah, I mean, and you... this is up there with the best of them. Were you here for Andromeda, Connor? I don't think you were. Uh, I was not. I read the first issue. Oh my god, I loved it. I, we loved it as well. Uh, although what we noted was is that the Aquaman parts were almost the least favorite parts. It was everything else which was like mm-hmm. amazing on the on the ship and the sub. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, uh, Rogues, that's your theme, Matt. What are you in it? Um, this was a, a eight point five. Connor, I'm going with nine point five. I'm going to split the difference and call it a straight nine. So yeah. there you go. So every month at patreon.com slash TV, you can make myself or Connor read a book at one of the higher tiers. And uh, Connor's got a couple to catch up on from last month because he was couldn't make the show for a little bit. So first up, Batman Fortress issue two. Take it yes. away. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, Gary Witter writing. Actually, uh, see before you uh, get into issue two, I'm just going to, my, my main complaints from issue one, I just want to see if they're going to hold true for you as you to talk about issue two is too much pop culture referencing, too much re-establishing of, like, too many Batman tropes, and, like, you know, mentioning the perils in the alleyway, and mentioning, like, this is why he doesn't kill, this is, you know, why the Joker's his arch-enemy, blah, blah. Uh, I'm just curious if those are still a problem. Uh, I would say no, actually. I oh, don't okay. recall any real... Well, there's there's referencing to, like, social media in terms of pop culture, but no, mm. like... I'm assuming you're talking about, like, referencing movies and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, there was a couple of those. Uh... That's not really in here. Um, and again, with the, the Batman past, also not really in it. I guess they they did that already, so they kind of got out of yeah. the system. Yeah, the other thing was just some really dodgy like, Batman narration and like just off dialogue. There's not much narration. I don't... Do you know what I would say? I don't think there's any narration at all in this issue. It's all dialogue. Oh, there was a um... lot of it in the first issue. Yeah, there's not a single narration box in this issue. Oh wow! Okay, very different beast then. Okay. Yeah, still bad though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just give that other way, uh, but maybe for different reasons. Uh, also, he turned Barry into a creep. Like, uh, so the 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 opening of the issue is like a, an emergency Justice League meeting because they're like, "Hey, aliens and shit." Um, they're like, "Where's where's Cal?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. not here. Reasons that they, they don't actually know." And they're like, oh, yeah, Jessica's not here either. And they're like, yeah, they, 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 someone says to Barry, because, yeah, they, they, uh, she probably had enough of you creeping on her. And he's like, I, I, you know, I'm just asking her to be a friend on Instagram. And then someone pipes up and goes, yeah, that's after she's already blocked you everywhere. 
I'm like, oh man, why, why, why? Why is Barrier creeping this? That's a bit of an odd choice, but yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then they just say, you know, they, they just say Suman, Suman's AWOL for reasons unknown, and the lanterns haven't responded, so we're on our own. So they, they, they're like, oh, there's all these combined air forces of like a bunch of countries that are just going to do an attack and just hit them with everything. We're just going to join them. So you have a, you know, a good handful of pages of just all these planes flying at the big stuff in the sky and going for an attack. And you've got the Justice League flying alongside it. You've got, so you've got the Batwing. You've got Flash just kind of stood on the wing of one of the planes. Martian Manhunter, Cyborg, Hawkman all flying. Uh, Wonder Woman's in her invisible jet with Aquaman as a passenger. Oh, oh, I, I lied. I lied. There is a movie reference. Oh, there you go. There is. There is. Flashes are, they're all like checking in, like, you know, ready to engage and stuff on, you know, on the, uh, as they're flying in. And Flash says, Red 5 standing by. <laughs> and then he goes, Sorry, I just always wanted to say that. that yeah, that's understandable, though. No, that's just a, like, just a sort of clunky reference I hated in the first issue. So it's, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it didn't stick out to me because it was the only one. So, sure. uh, you know, one reference isn't that big a deal. I think what bothers me more about that is the, I always wanted to say that after it. That's like the self-referential yes, part I don't like. That. If, he, if he just said the Red Five stand by, I, I, that probably wouldn't bother me too much. Because I am so I, sick. Like, not to just rag on the Marvel movies again, but someone pointed out that they've repeated the, that's really your costume, or that's really your name joke, like, so many oh, times. I, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, oh god, they have done this a lot. Oh my god, this is so annoying. Stop doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh, but, yeah, ba basically, um, the, the big sphere egg thing in the sky that they're attacking just decimates everyone. Just destroys everyone except the Justice League, who are basically all fine. But every every other plane from let me let me just list off all the all the people involved in this in this strike. You've got uh NATO, China, Ukraine, Japan, India, Pakistan, Australia, Israel, Egypt, and South Korea. So that's ten air forces combined launching this attack. Every single one of them is gone. Every single plane, except for the Justice League, within like three pages, <laughs> who are miraculously untouched. Um, actually, I think Wonder Woman's ship got a slight hit, but she's still flying. Like she's fine. But there's no one else there except Justice League at this point. And then they start taking, and then it starts taking out the Justice League. It does something where it like it turns them to like foam dust. I, I, I don't know quite how to describe the effect. They get hit by something, and it's like they're like. It's, I I don't know if it's like something going over them, like a like, some sort of like fuzz going over them. It's it's a strange effect, and then a cyborg gets sliced in half. Uh, because sure, what, why not? But he's dead. Uh, not 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 quite. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's, half, he's... his lower half. I mean, sure, I'm how sure. Much it does slice left. him like shoulder down across his uh, chest. Know, he's... He's fine then, because that's where the robotics start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he does seem like, but he's like Batman comes to visit him. He's in like the not not a hospital bed, but like you know, the I mean they're on a, a navy ship, so they're in like emergency bed, you know, hospital stuff. They've had divers recovering, you know, the, the team apparently, and uh, he, he's dying. Um, so Barry, the, the, Barry's going to be fine because he was injured. Diana, uh, Jean, Arthur, and Carter were all cocooned and taken inside the ship. So that's kind of like what the, the fuzz thing I was talking about was. Um, 
And Cyborg mentions that the uh, he couldn't really penetrate most of the shields, but what he did scan, it seemed to be Kryptonian. Um, and Bamon's like, hey, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll fix you up. And, and Cyborg's like, no, it's too late. I'm dying. You, you go save the rest of the planet. If anyone can do it, it's you. And then, uh, and then it does the big, you know, you know, one of those, you know, long beeps on the the ECG. You know, it's just like, oh, that's it. He's gone. Uh, you have some stuff with Batman done with Alfred being angry that all this is happening. You know, it's like, oh, you know, Alfred has been like, do you want to take some rest? You know, maybe have a fresh start of this in the morning. And and Bruce just staring at him. So like, I'll I'll bring some coffee. And yeah, uh, and then Bruce opens a, a a briefcase and he's like, "Sorry about this, but we've got work to do." And inside the briefcase is just Cyborg's head. And Cyborg doesn't say anything. I'm not sure if Cyborg's actually still alive. And like, it's going to be a case of Batman talking with a decapitated Cyborg and kind of doing stuff like that, or if it's going to be just he's using it to download all the data that Cyborg scanned. Um, we we don't know yet. Um, but then the, the last thing is it, you know, it just cuts to Kansas and it's, you know, the Kent farm and some beings come out of a ship and, uh, they're like, oh yeah, he, he's not here now, but he was, this was, his, this was clearly his childhood home. Um, and then th there's a new family that living there now and they were like, Hey family, you should, you should probably leave. Um, because the Kryptonian was here. So this, this place has been tainted by his presence and must now be cleansed. And the family like, oh, this is our home. What are you going to do? And they, this this purple alien who seems to have like a, a burnt side of his face just says, you know, what his people did to mine. And then they're just walking away and it's the Kent farm in in flames. And that's uh, the end of the, the story. Weirdly, even though it's a new family living here, uh, they still have Kent on the letterbox. Don't ask me why. Just Just in case you didn't figure out it was the Kent farm, I guess. Because they don't like you, you. We're getting that just from context. Oh, it's Kansas. It's a farm. So you kind of get there already, and then they're talking about the fact that this was the Kryptonian's home. So it's pretty obvious. But the final page still has them walking away, and it still has Kent Ren on the letterbox, even though it's it's a different family. I don't understand why why they would still have a different family's name on their letterbox, but whatever. Yeah, no, it's just it's just not a very good issue. Um, it's it's very different problems to what you had with the first one. This is just not particularly well written. It's not that great in terms of its plot. It's very generic invasion stuff. Mm. Batman's very just aggressive and hasn't got much personality to him. The yeah, Justice kind League of... are outright <sighs> unlikable for the most part. I felt that he was yeah he was just kind of aggressive in the first issue as well. He was very one. It's not it's not quite all star Batman, but it's closer to that than than you know continuity batman um and then on top of that uh, i i just not a fan of Derek robertson's art i never have been mm. um, especially especially his his faces i just really don't like them but that's a, that's a taste thing i don't i don't think it's objectively bad i know he, he definitely has fans <sighs> of his art I, I it's just not for me I genuinely don't remember what i thought of the art in the first issue so i can't say <laughs> it's the same artist from he, he did all like the boys so if you've seen like panels mm -hmm. of that, I'm sure I have at some uh, point, but I never read the boys. He, so. he did um, that Hellblazer issue with, oh well, it was it was a mini with with Tom Taylor. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember reading the first yeah. issue of that. Yeah, same artist that. 
Yeah, Pete's gonna remember Hellblazer, Connor. No, no, but he he read that one because it was Tom yeah. Taylor. Yeah, and then it was really underwhelming. Even I was like, yeah, this is great. Um, yeah, no, this is. I'd say it's probably not as bad as the first issue sounds like, but it's just not very good. Um, I'm gonna give it like a four. Oh dear! Oh dear! Oh dear! Oh well, yeah. well there you go. Uh, what's your second Patreon book? Uh, Nocturra issue nine. Um, which is Scott Snyder and Tony Daniel, and um, it's still good. It's still really good. Uh, there's, there's a bit more flashbacks. You know, talking about how you know the, the stuff before before everything went dark, and it's you know this character's perspective being, yeah, a lot of people our age. Like I like talk about oh what what they would have done if if life had been normal. But you know, instead he's like, no, it, it's fine because. Oh, this is in the book. It. I thought you meant like, uh, like in the real world because of the pandemic. If the life was normal, what would we have done? <laughs> Do you know what? Give it a couple of years, and people will be having those discussions. And, and I mean, I, I already have. I would have gone to so many places. Uh, I, no, I'm. Th- this is talking about like, um, people who were like, twelve to fifteen sort of mm-hmm. range when this ha- when this event in this book happened. It's like, what would they have done when they grew up? What would they have done with their lives? I'm sure there are definitely people who are changed their life plans at that you know kind of age of their life because of what had happened in the last couple of years in, in reality as well. Yeah, Matt was going to get in and out, but he went to tackle bill instead. Dude, yeah, he couldn't go inside in and out, so the drive-through took forever. So that's why I went to Taco Bell. Oh, really? tell me about it. Yeah, was right. Um, but yeah, they, they uh, last issue they captured like Bill at Blackstar Bill. There, they did a whole thing like. To, to track him down and it turns out they, they're kind of working together now they get some info from him about this place that trains and transforms killers into being people like him um and they, they, it's a place called luna uh and it's this ex- experimental ground you know, they've got their own uh their own beliefs and kind of like what they want the place to be uh, and they they turn people into what he is like they're kind of like i use the word nocturnes which kind of like it seems to be like a version of the, the shades they're corrupted but they still have their own will um you know he talks a little bit about the rivalry he had with the other bill that he made everyone called william which was the stuff we talked about last issue we saw him there um there's some more action stuff they're, you know they're fighting some uh you know some shades. It's all good stuff. It all looks great because Tony Daniels' art is is fantastic. And uh, you know they're, they're being hunted, and they're driving Bill's truck. One of them is, and Bill's like tied up in the back because they don't trust him, understandably. Um, but he's yelling at them, "Hey, hey, press the button. Pre- press that button. That, that'll help. Press press that button." Uh, eventually, they they do, and it's all these shades from flying out the back of the truck. It like opens up a door, and they're like human shades and they're like what the hell and it turns out they're all like small and they're like oh these are these are kids that they experimented on that they've like captured and they're using them as like just weapons and yeah it's 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 pretty dark uh, but uh, that, that is most issue they, they're right okay let's head towards luna and let's kind of we're gonna have these problems with this other bill on the way probably uh, but let's just keep moving and uh, bill saves uh one of them at the end like she, she thinks he's gonna kill kill her because he's gotten out of his handcuffs. And she, 
he's pulling out a knife. It is that really typical thing that you've kind of seen in a lot of movies where they, they've got the knife or the gun and you think they're going to attack the, the character, but then they stab or shoot something next to them that, that they've not seen yet. Uh, he just does that with something, you know, through the, through the side of the van. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very much a transitionary issue, which is kind of natural at this part of the arc, like second, third issue in, in an arc. You kind of get this point of like, okay, let's kind of move on like, and we get towards the next bit. So it's not the most exciting issue of the book, but it is very solid again still and kind of building up this mythology with these rival factions and kind of what they're doing. Um, a few little nettle character beats of sharing some food that's terrible, but they're kind of sharing it anyway. Uh, you know, try to force each other to eat it. You know, you, you, you have it, you have it. It's fine. It's fine. You know, I don't want it. Uh, and Bill, it's kind of really interesting how he, you know, he was the villain of the first arc and he was kind of terrifying in that arc and him being here kind of cut down to size and interacting with our group a lot more as opposed to just being this unstoppable force that was chasing them now has a lot of personality as, um, it's really fun to see, but yeah, no, I'm uh, still enjoying the book a lot. Uh, this issue, probably 7.5. So I don't think it's a standout, amazing issue. But it's it's still really good. Okay, okay. Well, there you go. That'll take us out the part of the show. Where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and of course, top five books of the week. And what a interesting list those will be this week. Uh, Matt, what is your panel slash moment of the week? Uh, it's gonna be from Rogues, and it's when uh, Glider takes out Trickster. That was a, a a real holy crap moment. Yeah, cool, Connor. Yeah, I'm just trying to pick something from Rogues as well. Because, <laughs> I mean, limited choice, let's be honest. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go with that moment of all just the uh, the gorilla cops stood in front of the, the bank. Just because it, it, it gave me a chuckle just seeing them all like that and just being so stereotypical kind of lazy cops. Yeah, I think I, uh, I'd probably go... I'm not sure if I want to go with the Mirror Master neck crush, or if I want to go more with the the moment where Magenta dies and like colds, well, coldness about it, <laughs> effectively. Uh, I don't go with that. I think that moment really stuck out to me as just being this cruel beat. So I'll go with that. Uh, all right, cover of the week. Uh, I've got two picks for this. Uh, obviously the Rogues regular cover with Grodd in the suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, is very very pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I also. Oh, sorry. Is, it, is is your other one a Batgirl variant? It isn't no. Oh. 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 Uh, it's a variant for the Dark Crisis one shot. Uh, the 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 beach variant. Uh, which is very nice. Superman in a Superboy and he's Robin outfit flying. Uh, past the Daily Planet globe. Uh, I think I'll probably still pick the Rogues cover overall, but that one is very good. So I want to give it a shout out, Connor. Yeah, the rose cover's the obvious one, I think. Um, but I'm going to give a shout-out to the Batgirls variant. Uh, I'm trying to see whose variant it is. Uh, Audrey Mock is them sitting on the sign. Oh, it's nice. But, but the rose cover does I like the concept of that cover. I'm just not a fan of the, the, the art style. I am. That's fine. Yeah. Matt, what are you paying? I just, I love the defiance it caught her. Just, he's like, yeah, it just doesn't work for me. Well, it works for me. Yeah, it was my like, pick. It's just, 
He's a little prick. He's a little prick. Yeah, man. it's so funny. Oh, yeah. uh, it's it's the Superman one you brought up. The um the Dark Crisis one with with yeah. uh, John and and Clark over the Daily Planet. Yeah, Steve oh, Beach. Yeah. Alex Ross, Steve Beach. Yeah, yeah, it's very Alex like, Ross. Yeah, I like it a lot. Now I have to look at this Batgirls one. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> to see what Connor likes that Pete doesn't. I don't know. It's just a cheerful little cover. I don't think it's as stylish as the other ones that we've mentioned, but yeah. bright and colourful. It's nice. All right, Connor, what's your art of the week? Uh, it's Brogues, Theomax. It's not even close. Aye. Aye. Matt? What if, what if I said uh, anything but Leo Max? You'd be lying. Would you guys have me, would you guys have me committed? <laughs> <laughs> but it's Leo Max. Yes. Yeah, also, it's Leo Max. That's an easy choice this week. All right, top five books of the week, Matt. Go. Uh, one, Rogues. Uh, two, the uh, World Without Justice League Superman. Three. Did I put this? I'm trying to remember my scores. Three, Naomi. Four, Superman, Son of Kal-El. Five is Wonder Woman. Connor? Okay, so Rogues. Gaping chasm of four full points <laughs> from my rating system. I think next was Superman, Son of Kal-El. Well, it was a 9.5 down to a 5.5, and then Wonder Woman. Yeah, uh, number one for me is obviously Rogues. Number two uh, is Batgirls. Number three is Worlds Without Justice League Superman. Number four is Son of Kal-El. Number five... Uh, Naomi? Yeah. There you go. So... Rough week, you know? Mm. Rough, rough uh, week overall. Uh, it's a shame. Uh, but let's hope some good things are coming. Uh, well, there's at least one good book next week. Next week. There's a couple good books. Yeah. Well, I'll be the judge of that. I literally right? got as far as looking at the first book on, on the comic and I was like, well, there's at least one. Well, coming next week from DC is Nightwing 94, The Flash 784, Batman Superman World's Finest Issue 5, Batman The Night Issue 7, Last issue of that, by the way, Connor, is the best issue of it yet. Um, oh, this, I haven't read that yet. And this one has Zatanna in it. Oh, so, man. Uh, it's all coming up me. Yeah. Catwoman 45, Jurassic League issue 3. That got pushed up. I mean, I don't know if it was ever solicited for last week, but in terms of compared no. to last month, it was a, it's a week later. My God, if we would have had that this I, week, we would have had something else to be excited about. I know, I really enjoyed issue 2 of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dark Crisis Young Justice issue 2 next week. Uh, DC vs. Vampires All Out War issue 1 so this is the 6 issue mini that's running alongside the back half of DC vs. Vampires so that's cool uh, Black Adam issue 2 did uh, you guys enjoy the first one? I've not read yes. it yet yeah it honestly it was about there was one element of it I wasn't super hot on but I actually mm-hmm. quite liked it overall though the, I'm pretty excited for it because uh, you know Priest uh, yeah, priest dialogue though is priest dialogue. Yeah, the, the I, th- I like priest dialogue. Though. The only thing yeah. I'll say about it is that uh, sort of regular human Black Adam when he's not shazammed up is a little weirder than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, the characterization of him, but uh, all everything it's doing oh, I with he was bringing that back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, But everything with like the new successor, if you will, uh, yeah. I really like that stuff. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, definitely give it a shot. Uh, Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes issue four. So Matt's, oh, so Matt's uh, got at least two good books. He's, he's reading that next week. Uh, no, I still haven't read uh, part past one. So uh, Fables one five three, Artemis Wanted issue one. It's just a one shot, I believe. Kind of following on from the Trial of the Amazon stuff. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> Aquaman and the Flash voice on issue two, and Looney Tunes issue two six seven. Yeah, it's a healthy week next week uh, with some exciting books, uh, particularly Nightwing, uh, World's Finest for me, Jurassic League, uh, and yeah, we'll I will say as much as you know, none of us are going to read Artemis Wanted. So this this is why I mentioned it now because it won't get shouted out next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Becky Cloonan variant for that is gorgeous. Um, it's also following up her. Apparently, she was responsible for the death of Hippolyta. Mm. So, um, can you tell we all paid attention to Trial of the Amazons? Yeah. Well, we, we never finished. So, I never saw it. But, yeah, I yeah. read the first issue, I think. Didn't I? I was away yeah. that week. Ah, then, okay. I was like, oh, no one's reading it. Okay, I won't bother. All right, I read the first issue. I gave it a try. Uh, what's that for me? Mm hmm. Yeah. It's annoying as well that I really like those Catwoman covers still because the book was not super hot, obviously. No, but I do no. think it's very they're very stylish covers that I do like, just the main ones. Yeah, and according to Batman last week, uh, Catwoman's shacking up with that dude none of his light. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, well, me and Matt didn't like you weren't as uh, down on him as we were. But... I, I didn't hate him, but I, I yeah, I get. But mm. I, uh, I still need to read Batman from last week. Um, I might read it tonight. Just to get, get going. Um... I mean, I'm intrigued because it was the first Darsky one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what's coming up next week uh, from DC Comics. Um, I'll take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. There, it's one of the higher tiers over at Patreon. You can go over there uh, and obviously support the show for as little as a dollar per month. Uh, Five dollars gets you early access. You get it whenever it's ready on the Saturday uh, versus uh, the Sunday, and it's quite late in certain time zones on the Saturday, but. Uh, you get a bit early. It'll be there for you on Sunday morning if you want it early. Um, but thank you to uh, the Patreon producers of Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordnow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Uh, and of course, you can like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications on YouTube, rate us five stars on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast from. All those things do help. Uh, so please do them. And you can get us on Twitter, at DC Comics Podcast, if you would like to follow us for occasional updates if there's any reason to update you on anything or you can ask us questions occasionally if there's a really quiet week we may ask for questions to uh fill the show with but uh uh we do a good job bullshitting most of the time <laughs> um but yeah uh that's pretty much it though that is the show uh, and we are likely to have solicits next week so it should be a bulky one uh so look forward to that but uh that is episode 314 so thank you very much once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep reading dc comics and remember to never get lost in the speed force like connor did on vacation <laughs> <laughs>